check to Blog Talk Radio. Negotiations will probably take place this time, actually negotiating the fight, right? Not talking about it, not talking about it on Twitter, not talking about it face-to-face, behind the scenes at a fight, but actually negotiate the fight. Now, I'm not saying they're deep in negotiations right now, but it looks on the up and Let's just put it that way. And speaking of looking on the up and up, Errol Spence looked pretty damn close to 100% against Ugas. Obviously, what was it, the sixth round or whatever, where he got, uh, well, he at least got buzzed, if not full on hurt. Obviously, he recouped. It was the sixth round, wasn't it? I think that's it. Yeah, sixth round. We'll talk about the fight. We'll break it down round by round like we do. Normally, it was a good fight, very competitive fight. Um, Spence could see some a little bit of rust there early. He was trying to force big, big shots, kind of falling in, um, and just missing some of his big shots. But he kept with the game plan, started with the jab, got all the way inside, and Fugas uh, didn't have much of an answer for that volume, some of the head movement and angles and just that. You know, Ugas usually needs a little bit more space than what Spence gave him. So all in all, like I said, considering he was out of the ring for like, what, 15 or 16 months um, and only had one fight since September 2019 with all the, you know, stuff that has happened to him, he looked pretty damn good to me, like I said. I'm not going to sit here and pick apart his, uh, his performance too much, you know. Um, now, obviously, the conspiracy theories are out, <laughs> like per usual, right? Um, that this fight was fixed, that Ugas should have jumped on spent more when he had him hurt or buzzed or whatever with the mouthpiece uh, debacle. Obviously, uh, he did own up to it. Speaking of Spence, he did own up to his uh, rookie mistake um, when the mouthpiece got knocked out. The actual shot 
looked a lot worse live, you know. Um, but when you saw the replay, and it was more of like a, a cupping kind of scraping shot. Um, but there was a good shot right before that, and obviously the shot that sent him into the ropes, yada, yada, yada. Um, anyway, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the undercard as well. Stanonius and Butiev was a very good fight. It definitely lived up uh, to some of the expectations. It wasn't like fight of the year. Some people thought it would live up to that expectation, but it was a good fight. Stanonius had his best performance as a pro and, you know, we'll discuss some other fights that happened, whether it was on that undercard or uh, overseas, like Conor Ben taking care of business really quick. So let's hope that we do get it later this year. I have a pretty good feeling that it's going to happen. Um, you know, me as a longtime boxing fan, I'd never get fully invested all the way, you know what I mean, until those contracts are signed. And even when, you know, when that happens – you never know, right? Uh, sometimes <laughs> it can injuries can happen, as we know. But anyway, um, so we'll talk, you know, what happened this weekend. And, of course, this upcoming weekend and another stadium fight, um, Tyson Fury returns against Dillian White. Um, the undercard, obviously, you know, not all that good. <laughs> um, like pretty bad hopefully you know sometimes when we underestimate you know certain fights they turn out just to be entertaining or maybe we get like a highlight real knockout or something like that but yeah on paper on the surface it, it looks pretty bad if, if we're being honest but to be fair a lot of times pay-per-views are all about the hardcores love the undercards but uh well some hardcores some hardcores are going to stream regardless you know uh they're, they're not they're going to they're not going to pay for it anyway, but uh, I am looking forward to this fight. Uh, I think it's stylistically still a fun fight to watch. Um, and Dillian White is a solid heavyweight, no matter where you rank him in the top five, or some people have him just in the top ten because of that Povekin knockout. Uh, he's a pretty damn good fighter who's slowly but surely gotten a little better as time has gone by. He's definitely better than you know, when he first uh, faced Anthony Joshua, that's for sure. So we're going to talk all about it. Um, I think it is 70 bucks, right? 69.99 here. Um, and it starts, I believe, 2 Eastern time here in the States. Um, so we'll see, you know, when that fight actually comes on live. Uh, will it take three hours, four hours? Uh, I'm guessing it'll be, well... We'll see how long those undercard fights go, but I know that in past major stadium fights like this one is, 94,000 people um, reported are going to be, you know, in the building. Usually they have to start it a little earlier so that way people can, you know, the transit and everything like that. Obviously transit's kind of big in some major cities here, especially on the East Coast, but, you know, as we know, Europe, UK in general, uh, they're huge on transit, so... We'll see when it actually takes off, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the fight. I definitely like the matchup. I think it'll be entertaining, and uh, we'll definitely preview and predict that. There's some other fight news, a little bit more uh, fallout from the Kinahan scenario. Jojo Diaz has a lawsuit involving a minor that we'll talk about um, that 
app that I mentioned uh, did have a press release um, that we'll mention because uh, some people followed up on that with the interest level on that when I talked about it a few weeks ago and even a, a couple of months ago. Anyway, if this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope Dope, but download the show directly there or listen to the browser. You can find this year's podcast, Rope Dope Radio, under Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, Spricker, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcast, Amazon Music. We're also part of the Grilling True Sports Podcast Network. One more thing. If you're thinking about cutting the cord, or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99 a month. It's the best of live TV and on-demand. No annual contracts. No hidden fees. If you upgrade to the choice or ultimate package, that gives you eight. Uh, eight. That gives you eight. Eight. I said that gives you HBO. Um Max for three months for free, plus you get to enjoy regional sports networks without that pesky additional fee. And if you go to the Premier Package, that gets you HBO Max and Showtime, already included. Showtime is $11 on this platform. But if you're smart, you would have taken advantage of that uh, Showtime thing. Direct TV stream. And I actually had some people follow up with some messages last week. Um, I read that tweet from Jake Donovan, how they gave 30-month uh, or, God, I'm just wrong here. I'm just all over the place. 30-day, I think it's a, a month free, and then the following, was it three to four months? It's really cheap, like under, I think it's three ninety nine the next three months or something like that, which obviously Showtime has a really good schedule right now, so it was it's definitely well worth the money. Um, all right, so. Starting with the fight of the weekend, Spence versus Ugas. You know, a lot of people were wondering just how Errol Spence would look being, you know, so long out of the ring. Like I said, 15 or 16 months, something like that. He definitely drew a crowd. I mean, Ugas is not known as some kind of really great B-side ticket seller. Now, of course, he did fight in front of a large crowd against Manny Pacquiao, so that, that definitely helped him. Um, and he has had some good looks on Fox, uh, three different Fox cards uh, where he was in, I guess you could say the main event. He was in the main event primetime at two of them, um, one against Abel Ramos, which did a pretty good rating considering uh, post-COVID ratings, I should say, probably. Um, and then a, a pretty solid, a really good rating, over $2 million, um, with Porter, he also was on that undercard against DeLorme. I think we mentioned that last week. He was on the uh, Mayweather-McGregor uh, prelim, and that did a really good rating. So he's been around for a while. Um, you know, he's had that good run. And uh, either way, it was just short of 40,000 in attendance, uh, 39,946. So and we had heard from Steven Espinosa about 10 days before the fight that they had sold 30,000 tickets. So we'll, we'll see what the ultimate gate is and all that. But uh, like I said, Ugas is not some kind of big name and he's not Mexican or Mexican American. Now, you know, he does have the Cuban Hispanic thing going on. Sure. But it is a little different. So I was, I was pretty uh, pleased with that um, from, you know, just being a fight fan here in the 
States, you know, you know, Canelo's really the only guy that uh, has, you know, put butts in the seats there. Uh, active fighters, anyway. Pacquiao obviously getting the fight there, too. But Canelo's the only guy that can draw a large, large crowd, uh, or at least shown to be. I think, uh, you know, in the right scenario, at the right stadium, obviously, Tank could probably wow there as well. But uh, in theory here, still probably good. It matters who he fought. But either way, it's always nice to see that, and I can't wait to see what that spectacle of 94,000 people is going to look like this weekend. Anyway, the first spot, or first round, um, you could you could give it was a it was a feel out round. You could probably give it to Ugas. Um, I thought he landed three or four nice body shots. Um, you could see that Spence was doing a pretty good job of, of picking his shots uh, right away, and also picking off uh, just throughout, uh, picking off some of those shots as well with his gloves. Um, so, yeah, and there was also, like, a nice uh, counter. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of think, like, there was also a nice right hand late that kind of probably stole the round. Um, I did give round two to Spence. Uh, he started going to the body with his left hand. Um, he definitely was landing the jab the last minute he let off some combos. The third round was very close. I, I gave it to Ugas. Um, Spence had the jabs, the left hooks, or the straight left hands, um, and he actually landed a nice uppercut late in some counter lefts of his own. Um, but a hard right-hand counter and probably maybe three right hands late probably stole the round. He probably won the round out that. I did think Spence was a little too aggressive. Uh, early, um, like I said, he was, you know, doing some good stuff. Don't get me wrong, uh, but he was kind of falling in too much when he missed, and he was a little too aggressive, like I mentioned, and so he was kind of getting touched up there um, before he could get all the way inside. And then after that, beyond that round, we'll talk about it a little bit. That sixth round, um, Spence really, for me, took control of this fight. Um, slowly but surely, you know, the, the, the fourth round, or I'm sorry, the, yeah, the fourth round, um, he started to kind of, uh, reset after landing some good shots. Uh, he definitely brought the uppercut out even more in that one. Um, you could see Ugas wasn't established with the jab. He did land a couple of counter right hands and, and definitely a good shot to the, to the body. But I just thought overall um, that Spence won that round. I gave him the fifth round, too. He started to really dig to the body in that one. And you can see more and more Ugas is showing up. He already kind of has the shell defense, but he wasn't. You know, he landed some late shots in that fifth round to say, hey, I'm still here. But, you know, I, I did think that, um, I don't know, I, I just thought that he, you could start to see the stages of him showing up. Let's put it that way. Um, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, then comes the sixth round. And by the way, um, under the eye, I think it was under his right eye for a little bit there, uh, midway through or something like that, you could see Spence's eye was swelling a little. Now, obviously, you started to see both of them kind of were swelling a little bit. Um, 
but I think it was like um, maybe 60 seconds, 90 seconds in, uh, Ugas landed kind of a scraping, cupping shot that knocked the mouthpiece out. Um, and like I said, live, I wasn't sure if that was really a great shot. It kind of seemed like it was because anytime you see the mouthpiece come out and there was a moment where they both kind of froze and I thought, oh, wow. And then, and this is, you know, Spence's mistake 100%. You know, to his credit, he did own up to it. I thought it was pretty funny. This dude was like, um, you not only did you make a mistake, you know, that your, why is your mouthpiece coming out? Because I think it happened in the Danny Garcia fight, but then you went looking for it, too. You made a mistake, and Spence kind of laughed it off. But, you know, it's no laughing matter, really. And I'm sure he wasn't laughing when he got hit after. But he, he, he automatically stood up. And when you hear the replay, it does sound like the ref saying something. But until the ref is in on the action trying to, like, if he's screaming and grabbing someone or on his way to grabbing someone, then that's a little different. I mean, it's always protect yourself at all times, obviously. But at least it would have been more like, well, hold on. He, he did have his hands breaking it up, but he did. The ref did not. Now, the ref's not a good ref, uh, you know, historically or whatever. But um, so Spence awkwardly started, he kind of turned away from him and went for his, like I said, this is ludicrous to do, but he went for his mouthpiece, and that's when the veteran Ugas took advantage of Spence's mistake, and he walloped him with a good shot. Um, I think it was, was that a left hand? I think it was a left hand. It was like a jab or left hook. He did hit him with some other shots past that, um, and that first shot, all of a sudden, you know, Spence went into the ropes. And a lot of people say automatically that should have been a knockdown. Um, they definitely could have called a knockdown. Now, we, you know, there's plenty of times that we've seen guys on ropes. And, and, and unless you're actually on the rope continuing to get hit, uh, a lot of times that doesn't get called. Um, but could he have called a knockdown? Sure. You know, I think that's fair. Now, the shot itself, like, it was also off balance, you know, because he put himself out of position to where he got hit. And like I said, it was his fault, but he wasn't 100% ready for it. And I'll never call that a cheap shot. You know, I, we've had all these debates in the past. Obviously, the one that a lot of people point to is the Mayweather-Ortiz. No, it's just a veteran move, you know. And the ref, maybe he made a mistake because he looked like he was going to come in after the fact, and then he went, hold on. Let's see the action happen, right? So um, he hit him with some good shots, right? And it did look like Spence could have been full-on hurt. Uh, he could have just been dizzy or buzzed. But he definitely wasn't out on his feet because it'd be different if he, he was out on his feet and Ugas was just going off on him, flurrying, and then Spence maybe caught him with a lucky punch while he was out on his feet and turned the fight around and knocked him out or something like that. But for the people saying Spence was out on his feet, I mean, really? Did you see that round and how he fought back and then the rest of the fight after that, he completely dominated. So if he was full-on hurt or just kind of hurt or just, like I said, just buzzed, um, he, he has good recoup, obviously. 
Um, and like I said, Ugas took advantage of it. It, it. it was not the ref's fault. We see mouthpieces go out all the time. Um, now, Ugas did freeze for a second and then was like, oh, I'm taking advantage of this because why wouldn't he? You know what I mean? Um, but it was a fun round, like a really fun round. And, you know, it was just, like I said, it was just, it was really fun. And, and Spence came back with his hooks and uppercuts. And um, like I said, there was a shot, I believe, I think it was to the body, <clears throat> right before the mouthpiece came out. So the actual shot to the head, I don't think that's what bothered him. I mean, besides the mouthpiece flying, you know, um, I don't think it actually, it, it affects him too much, to be honest with you, but... Either way, I know the conspiracy theories are, and by the way, let's finish that round. Um, Spence was fighting back, and then they stopped the fight to have him go get, you know, the mouthpiece. And could the ref have just let it go a little longer? That's fair. I don't think that's crazy. Um, now, we've seen refs stop it the second it goes out, too. So... Refs are inconsistent. Boxing in, is inconsistent. Scorecards are inconsistent. So, like hitting behind the head, it's illegal, right? So is holding. It's illegal, right? But we see the fucking shit all the time. So, um, sure, by by rule, you could say, you know, those ropes helped uh, or held. Uh, he, you know, if it wasn't for the ropes, he would have he would have fell on the ground. Right, because like I said, he, I do think it was more off balance though. Because if the shot alone, if he was in his normal stance and the shot alone made him made his body do that, I would have a different viewpoint on it, you know. Um, but either way, he came back and fought hard. It turned out to be a really fun round, actually. Um, and then Spence right away, whether he hurt Ugas or at least was bothered, buzzed by the by the uh, shot. The uppercuts came out there, and he was just, don't get me wrong, you know, Ugas did fire back late, um, and, you know, he, he did land a good shot late and stuff like that, but his eye was starting to really, really swell badly at that point. It was like, oh, man, this this could be an issue here. Um, but Spence, after that, dominated the rest of the fight. I mean, it's really not a... I don't think it's really up for some kind of big debate or anything like that, to be fair. Um, and he kind of got the jab pumping again, whether it's to the body or head, and then the left hooks, you know. The whole point is he got, you know, um, Adam of Saturday Night Fights, I think that's his website. Sorry, Adam, if I misquoted that. I think it's Saturday Night Fights, right? Or Saturday Night Boxing or, God damn, I'm, I'm, I'm tripping today. But anyway, he made a great point that he, you know, got so far inside to try to take away, especially on the left side of Ugas, and I thought he did a great job. He's a great writer, by the way. But um, his predictions or, you know, his previews and all that are always really uh, in-depth. And his art, He's just a great writer, I think. But either way, he made a great point of, and you can see it, that he got all the way inside. And like I said, he was jabbing plenty, but he didn't sit there and only jab because he didn't want to get countered by that right hand. And so – you know, the game plan he, he talked about is, you know, how James and Spence, you know, they had that game plan, and then, you know, Spence followed it. And he was on the inside. He was smothering 
you know, not allowing to, he wasn't smothering his punches, but he wasn't allowing Ugas to have that minor bit of space that he needs. And then being at the end of that counter as well, in a sense, right? So, um, Ugas from time to time would land a good body shot or something like that, but he was getting, he was getting banged up pretty good in, in, in the first minute of that 10th round. He was definitely trouble. Um, you know, he did land like a, good body shot in that round, but um, Spence was just in a minute on, and uh, the ref had, you know, in previous rounds, the ref had looked at that eye. Didn't he stop the fight and and look at it? And then was it at the beginning of a round did he look at it again? I can't remember, but um, when he did stop the fight on this one, you know, the eye was close. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. It, the, eye, the eye was close. The doctor basically called it, so the ref called it in a sense. He said he can't do it, and, and the ref called it right there. It was a TKO, 10th round. Um, and so overall, I mean, you know, even a counterpuncher who fights at a, a fairly nice pace uh, does Ugas. He, he doesn't, um, you know, uh, under the, the average of the welterweights. It was pretty impressive. Uh, 192 to 77 for power punches, 40% to 28%. And overall, 216, this is not even 10 full rounds, 216 lands to 96, uh, 28% to 18%. And Spence through 784 uh, to 541. So overall, um, as the fight went on, you know, Spence made some slight adjustments, and he got the rust off. And like I said, he didn't rely on just jabbing a whole bunch. He did jab, but not as much as he normally does, I, I, wouldn't, I don't think, anyway. And uh, he showed a little bit more upper body movement. Um, and also, like I said, picking shots off with his own gloves on his guard because I think that'll be key facing, you know, Ugas, facing Crawford, just to finish that. Ugas did serve as a good fight right before facing Crawford. Um, now, Crawford's more athletic. He's quicker. You know, he can switch to the southpaw. I'm not trying to say, oh, this is um, an exact replica, replica or whatever, you know. But being out of the ring that long, and, you know, Spence made it clear he didn't want any tune-ups. So to me, I really, I just think this was a really good fight for him, you know. Uh, to get the rust off and, and to fight a counter puncher, a guy that can counter, a guy that's good, got good hand speed, and he's been on a run. He really has been on a run. And so this, like I said, served as a great fight. Um, you know, obviously Pacquiao having the southpaw stance and the hand, hand speed would have helped as well. But clearly Pacquiao and, and, and Crawford don't fight the same. And I'm not saying Ugas, he does, but Ugas is that sharpshooter, the economical puncher who will counter you and, and make you pay for your mistakes. And that's what Crawford does, you know what I mean, like majorly. Now, I, I think Crawford, like I said, is more athletic, not just quick, quicker-handed, but his feet, too. Like, he can move um, a lot. You know, he can move. He can move really well. We saw that really in one fight where he moved a lot of the fight, and that was against Postal. Um, and he just outboxed him. 
outpunched him, just, you know, beat him up from the outside and said, hey, round one wasn't great. Maybe I'm going to do this. And that's when you really saw, like, okay, Crawford is showing me something here. Um, now, you know, the normal stuff we've heard beyond, you know, um, that this fight was fixed and all that. But, you know, um, it's just a normal back and forth. And it, a lot of it has to do with um, just boxing fans in general, media members as well. Some of it has to do with fanboys on each side. But, okay, you know, the, the first thing you hear beyond the fixed fight was like, well, if, if Crawford, you know, hurt Spence that way or had that opportunity, he would have knocked him out. Okay, you know, that's fine. You know, I get that. I get that. Um, and, he, you know, Ugas hurt him, so Crawford's going to knock him out. And I get it, you know. I understand that, you know, Crawford is a step up from Ugas. Now, the the flip side is, well, hold on. I mean, in his last fight, he won by uh, stoppage, uh, Crawford. But, you know, you could make the argument for 5-4 either guy, uh, whether it's Porter up 5-4 or Crawford up. I had Crawford up 5-4. to four. The match you could go, if you're being honest with it and not biased, is like 6-3 Crawford. You can make the argument, you know, if Spence is up five to four in the tenth round, he's got a good chance to win that fight. Or like, uh, if you just talk about being hurt, well, you know, because a lot of people say, well, we've seen, you know, Spence hurt Porter, hurt him, or at least buzzed him, you know, and that's fair. He did get buzzed in that fight, or maybe hurt. They both guys got hurt in that fight, or you know that I don't even know if it was like his eighth fight or twelfth. Fight. I don't know, the one that he got rocked uh, and went on the ropes, right? And that's fair, you know, but we could bring up, you know, if if, if Spence hit uh, Crawford with the shot that Mean Machine, you know, like you could say the Mean Machine shot should have been a knockdown. Like, I, I, I'm willing to meet you halfway. Yeah, they could have called a, a knockdown on, on, you know, in favor of Ugas in this fight. I think that's fair, yeah, definitely. But, you know, well, Mean Machine, you know, Kavaloskis knocked down Crawford. That could have been a call to knock down, you know. And we've seen uh, Crawford hurt as well. Everybody gets hurt. I mean, Crawford got hurt against Gamboa. If we're going to go back years in the past to fight. Um, so it goes both ways. I mean, Beltron hurt uh, Crawford pretty badly. Now, remember that Crawford was going for the knockout like in the last round. That's the only reason why he got hurt. But a lot of that, if this, if that, well, we can play that game both both ways. And like I said, you could you could say, well, Ugas, you know, Crawford is not Ugas. Well, Postal coming forward against Crawford, Postal's not Spence coming forward either. And by the way, he's Spence is a better come forward than Porter. And Porter arguably was either up or down by a round in that, you know, going to the tenth round. Now you got to give full credit to the stoppage, you know. Um, and of course, you know, people said, "Oh, Porter's, you know, Porter's pops." Can Porter stop that fight? Not the ref. And it's like, come on, dude. We heard this too. There was a tweet out there. I think someone was just. I guess he was sarcastic. I couldn't really tell, but you know, they're saying, "Oh, the doctor stopped it, not not Spence. He didn't." Ugas wasn't stopped by Spence. It's like, come on, guys. Like, you're really showing your true colors here on both sides, Spence uh, 
fanboy, Jane Crawford fanboy. But hey, you know, um, for the longest time, I was on the fence leaning to Spence um, for the last, you know, chunk of years. And then obviously the time out of the ring did kind of make and – then, and then what he was able to accomplish against Porter, which was his best win. I'd say Porter and Postal is Crawford's best win. So, and I think that, you know, some of the things Ugas with that right hook, I think, you know, Crawford can duplicate that and, and, and build upon that and be better. But I also think, like I said, some of the things that Porter was able to do, you know, Spence can do it better. Um, just the jab alone for a chunk of rounds in that fight, the up jab from uh, Porter as well was very successful. So, I'm still on the fence, but I, I have to admit for some time now, the versatility the versatility from Crawford, not just with the in and out game, but you know, the uh the the time out of the ring, you know, for Spence. It's kinda like mm. still though, you know, it still will only be I don't know. It, it's kind of funky because it's funny. I was listening to uh, an interview with Spence, like a long form interview with some, some of these, one of these popular uh, podcasts on YouTube. And well, I'm sure it's available a lot of places, not just YouTube, but I noticed this, uh, um, all the smoke podcast, that Showtime podcast. Um, I noticed this interview that I watched during COVID and, and I went back to be like, Oh, that's right. I, let me, let me look at that. I didn't really watch the whole thing, but I just wanted to get a time reference. And it was like, I believe it was late April, 2020. So that would have been, you know, a chunk of uh, several months after what was that September or October, early October, right? October, I don't know, 10th or something like that, 20 or 2019. So it would have been, you know, like six months. Either way, my point is Spence was cleared for activity by the time he was talking uh, on this podcast, right, getting interviewed. And the reason why I bring that up, and, he, you know, he talked about at that time how, you know, he needs to really worry about the food intake and water and the weight and, you know, the stuff that a lot of people thought he only did for this fight, you know. He was talking about it two years ago or, you know, what's coming up to me. And you could see that he was in pretty good shape considering he he didn't have a fight signed or anything like that, which wasn't always the case in the last, you know, few camps before that, before the border fight. And so I look at it and I go, well, it's about two years since he's been in pretty good shape out of the ring, outside of training camp, and getting back to worrying about his body and treating his body better. And also... Less is more, right, when it comes to partying and all that. And then now by the time he – so that will be about two and a half years of, quote, unquote, cleaner living, uh, which is important for an athlete, especially an athlete that has to make weight. And we know he's a big-ass welterweight anyway. So – and then, you know, by the time he fights, let's say, if, you know, it happens in October, November, December, something like that, it wouldn't shock me that it happens maybe – uh, next year, February, something like in that break between the Super Bowl. I don't know. But either way, it'll be three years removed from that car accident um, by the time he fights Crawford in, in about two and a half years 
of being back in shape. Now, he did have to take that little rest where I think he, could, he said he could only walk. So he walked for like, you know, eight or ten miles or whatever. So there was a couple months where he was down, but he still, you know, he didn't say he went and blew up in a bunch of weight either. So my point is, it's not like it was just this camp where he got his shit together outside the ring again. So I think he's pretty close to being back 100%. And he'll look better in his next fight. Early in that fight, he was missing shots. He was falling in. Um, and he was putting himself in a bad position, especially for a sharpshooting, accurate motherfucker, counterpuncher like Bud Crawford. Um, so I don't think he'll be, you know, I think it's like a blend of, I've always said after that uh, Mikey Garcia fight that he needs to blend his come forwardness with the, the right step to the side, step back, not step straight back. We see that sometimes. Sometimes he does walk in straight lines uh, or even go back or whatever. But the way the first half, the way he was able to outbox Mikey Garcia, and I know Mikey Garcia is not, um, you know, I actually just got a message a little bit ago saying, you know, uh, people say he can outbox people. Well, Mikey Garcia is not Crawford. But let's go back to that again. Did you hear what I said about when we saw – um, Crawford outbox on the outside mostly, post-all. Well, you're right about Mikey Garcia, especially at away. He's not on the same level of Crawford. But post-all coming forward is nowhere near the same level as Spence coming forward. So, I mean, the shit goes both ways, man. You know, it goes both ways. My point is, even, you know, he's made slight adjustments where he uses a little angle or a step to the side or a step back like he did against uh, Porter when he caught him with that perfect shot. He started stepping back and catching him, stepping back counter, you know. So he had his own counters, too. I, I just think it's a great fight. Like I said, I'm on the fence still. i still leaning Crawford. But, you know, a chunk of years ago, I got to admit, on the fence, but I was with Spence winning it. Not with him like I'm cheering for him, but just in general. I just hope the fight gets made. Obviously, it's got a better chance of being made now that there isn't another network involved um but let's hope let's hope you know the other interesting very intriguing fight on paper was uh stanonius against butayev and you know stanonius especially like the first three rounds i mean this guy looked really good both of them were jabbing pretty well but butayev had a good mid to late round but early and mid and throughout the better shots, along with that stiff jab of Stanonius, steady work with the sharp jab in the second and third. Um, and then he started mixing in that hard right hand. He even mixed in a little footwork, just subtle circling around. Uh, but I liked what Stanonius was doing with that jab. Um, but the, the third round was close. You know, the third round was very close. And I did give... I think I gave Butiev, uh the fourth round. I thought in the fifth round he landed the better shots, Butayev. Um And then in the sixth round, he kind of, for me, the next few rounds were Stanonius. You know, he started landing. He kind of, he just had that steady work, you know, with both hands. Um, and two 
uh, Butayev's credit, he landed plenty of good short shots, too, mostly to the head with both hands. Um, and, like, in the seventh round, for instance, Butayev had a good start to that round, but then more hard right hands behind the stiff jab by Stanonius. Um, and, you know, the eighth round was very competitive. I thought the, you know, the cleaner shots, you know, were from Stanonius. Um, and you actually started to see him blocking shots a little bit, which is not always what you see with him. Um, and a couple good counter right hands too. I mean, don't get me wrong. Butayev had some moments. He had some good lands. I gave him the, uh, the, what would that be? The 10th round. I thought he was starting to use a little bit more angles. Some of the stuff we've seen from him in the past, um, in the 11th round, was good back and forth. I mean, that that was a good back and forth round. Um, I think there was a that, – that's right. There was that um, point deduction on Butayev, and he did get a fair amount of warnings on that for – I think it was like a pushing pushing his head down, which I, I get it. Stanonius does have his head kind of low like that, so it is a little funky. Um, but I did think – that Butayev was doing good in that round. And then some really fun stuff, action-packed stuff in the 12th round. I think Stan Elliott just, you know, landed the flush shots, man. Whether it's 8-4, to 7-5 um, maybe, you could even go 9-3. to three. I'm, I'm pretty good with 8-4, to four, maybe 9-3, to three, I don't know. But uh, Butayev won one of the rounds, 117-113. to 113. The other two were 116-111. One seventeen, one twelve, so eight to four, nine to three. I think eight to four, nine to three is, is works for me there. Uh, Stanodius, like I said, he was really accurate. I mean, to land thirty percent of your overall shots, and then his jab, he landed eighty to twenty-one. That, that's telling, you know. Stanodius, sometimes he can just be kind of cavemanish, and I, you know, I think he's really improved. That Delorme fight. Didn't look all that great, but he looked. This was his best performance as a pro. He brought it at the right time. Uh, so two twenty-two to one forty. Like I said, very active Butayev uh, threw one hundred and fifty more punches, thirty-seven to nineteen, as far as lands, uh, percentage lands, I should say. So I mean, that's that's a little different. You know what I mean? That is a little little different. Um, let's see here. Cody Crawley, Jose Cito Lopez, you know, beyond like uh, the first five rounds or something like that, you know, Lopez had these little little moments. You know, I gave him the third. Um, I think he buzzed Crowley in the first minute. He followed it up with uh, some left hooks to the body, a late right hand to the head as well. Um the fifth round was close. Maybe he, he landed better shots in that one. So the third and fifth, I think you could give to Lopez. Um, even in the second and fourth, there were there was moments of the, you know, like little parts of the round where he did good. But uh, Lopez, but then uh, Cody Crowley took over the fight completely. Sixth round was kind of close. But other than that, man, um, he really looked damn good. Um, there was like, what was it, midway through the seventh, it was a right, I think it was a right hand, I think it was a right hook, uh, scored, 
scored a knockdown. It was like an off-balance uh, shot, I think. But he scored scored a knockdown. I believe that was the knockdown, right? Am I tripping on that? Didn't follow it up, though, with uh, you know left uppercuts, right hands. You know, he was playing this, like, little in-and-out game at times, too. He was still very aggressive. And then down the stretch, the ninth and tenth round, he was just dominant. You know, he was landing punches, circling, just dominant. Very good performance by Crawley, and that's two back-to-back good performances. Uh, I mean, he he threw a lot of punches too. Eight eighteen to, to who's usually a pretty active fighter. Eight eighteen to four ninety three, and he out jabbed the shit out of him. Um, so yeah, I mean, Jose Cito. I wouldn't. I mean, he wasn't supposed to win this fight anyway, right? But I did think that. Not that he'd give him more problems, you know, like overall, but I, I did feel like, I don't know, I, I felt like it would be a little bit more competitive down the stretch. And so credit to Crowley there, Jose Cito Lopez, you know, at this stage of his career, you know, he just wasn't able to win many rounds. pretty good dominant win, especially down the stretch. Kind of mixing it up a little bit, Crowley. Um, here's a surprise for me. Um, Ho- Jose Venezuela against Francisco Vargas. We mentioned how, yeah, Francisco Vargas is past his prime. He's been that way for a while. But, you know, he with Isaac or Isaac Cruz, he did go the distance. I think it was a 10-round distance. And for a guy that doesn't have many fights. I was thinking these are going to be some interesting rounds. You know what I mean? I actually did think that there, this might be some interesting rounds for Jose, but he wasn't having it. I mean, he landed a left hook on the button, and Vargas went crashing down. He hit his head, so obviously that added to it, and it was a wrap. So I was surprised. Not that Venezuela uh, won. You know, I thought he'd win cleanly. But I thought it was a good fight for him where he's at as a prospect. You know, as a prospect, I just saw him in December. Um, so far, there's times where you look and go, wow, yeah, this guy's got it. And then, you know, sometimes you're like, mm, let's see. Let's, let's, let's see how he does in this type of fight where he's going to face more of a, a tough, veteran, rugged dude even though we know Francisco's past his prime, of course. But like I said, he, he went the distance with a guy who could punch uh, recently. So big win for Jose as far as how he did it. I mean, that was a just a picture perfect, like I said, on the butt, knocked him out. Um, now, from an action standpoint and just a – like you couldn't really give Gamboa a round he just had these little moments where he would land a good shot or whatever but, and jab, you know, or something like that. But overall, I mean, an early left hook had Gamboa buzzed. Gamboa was holding in boxing some, like I mentioned. Um, you know, he, he definitely um, cruised another right hand, kind of clipped him. Um, and Gamboa in the second round, he actually was doing 
decent. He landed like an early right hand that was flush. He was pivoting nicely, but it didn't last long. You know what I mean? It was like, I think it was like right before the 10-second bell or right after. I can't remember. I think it was right before. Uh, it was a left hook on the temple, and then he landed something to the body, and Gamboa went down again. Obviously, we know Gamboa usually is on the, the canvas a whole lot. And then, you know, another knockdown like seconds into the third round. Cruz, you can see, was going for it. Uh, he was winging overhand rights uh, and left hooks. Um, and like I said, more holding slash jabbing and trying to just stay the hell out of the way was, was Gamboa. Uh, you know, fourth round major right hand early again. Uh, somehow, though, <laughs> Gamboa just pops up. I'm good. What, what's wrong? We're fine. And then, you know, fires back and then takes four flush shots. And it's like, I think with 30 seconds left, that left hook, just nasty. Uh, looked really nasty. Uh, and there was, uh, you know, some really good body shots. Um, and then what was it, a big right hand? Yeah, it was a big right hand that had Gamboa fall into the ropes, and it was over. It was over at that point. Uh, not much more to say there. So the fight pretty much went the way I thought it would. Um, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't like excited for this fight. I, I saw what they were doing. You know, Gamboa at the at the lighter weight classes. It's not like there's a lot of names that are recognizable, and and uh, you know, this was just a hey, you just lost. Here you go. Look good against him, and, and he did. So we'll see where Isak Cruz goes next. Funny enough, Ryan Garcia was calling him out after the fight. Um, also, Brandon Lee, you know, won on the undercard. I kind of forgot to mention that. The guy he was fighting did look like he really wanted to put up much resistance there, but he did get the win, Brandon Lee. Um, some other stuff from the weekend, Connor Ben, quick knockout, right? Who's the, who's next for him this summer that he heard talks about? You know, he names like seven dudes. We'll see what's next. Connor Ben definitely needs a step up, but at least he's taking care of business. You know, I mean, what was it, the second round? It was a right hand, right? Um, Alicia Baumgartner, Baumgartner, she, she won pretty easily. Um, you know, did her thing. Ruben Vila won a ninth round, eighth round, ninth, ninth round stoppage, I believe. And also in the rematch, uh, Chris Billiam Smith scored. He landed a big right hand. Pat O'Boy on the ropes in the eighth round knocked him out. McCarthy, uh, that was another fight. Um, and like I said, Connor Ben just needs to step up. You know, um, there's really there's no point now, and you're not going to put him in with Virgil Ortiz or or, or Boots. Or, of course, not someone on the super high level. I get that. Um, but he needs to step it up. He does need to step it up. It's time. Um, you know, he draws a good crowd. But you see it on boxing Twitter from the U.K. Shouts out to the U.K. Um, they're starting to be like, all right, dude, let's see him in with somebody. You know, he hasn't, they have, you know, I'm not saying that they got to give, you know, Con $10 million or something, or Broner or whatever, you know. Uh, but Kel Brook, Con, Broner, Mikey Garcia, I think he said Thurman. I don't know. He he, he always lists a, a bunch of names. We'll see. But he, he for sure is fighting in the summer because, uh, I mean, that was his plan all along. But 
I mean, with such a short night, you know, uh, there's really no no point in uh, holding off on that. You know what I mean? Um, but all in all, you know that that uh, Butayev Stanonius fight was was worth it. That was the, that was the best fight beyond the main event going into it, and it turned out that way. Um, I thought it would actually be even closer, like I mentioned, that Stanonius. He put on his best performance as a pro. He did some stuff that, you know, some people were kind of doubting that he could maybe do. Um, it's always funny when you when you do shows with popular fighters involved. Some of these messages, dude. And it can't, and I'm not saying just Crawford fanboys. Some of these Spence, you know, that they're they're mad at me for not, you know, saying stuff about this cheap shotter. Of course, we're getting the uh, the fixed fight thing that uh, you know the fixed fight, the fixed fight. That's that's what we're getting to on these messages. Anyway, um, I'm gonna go ahead and bring in John to see what he thought of uh, this last weekend. Of course, we're gonna preview and predict Tyson Fury and Dillian White, which is gonna be fought in front of you know they keep reporting 94. Thousand people. It'll be the biggest fight in the UK. The biggest event. Uh, I think Bob Arum was quoted. Was it twenty four million or twenty six million at the gate or something like that? I'm sure they may talk about it. I think that's what it is. I'll double check on that. I think I have uh, um, the interview screenshot or something like that. But it's the biggest Wembley. No matter what it is, you know, which is crazy, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Someone said it's the biggest outdoor fight or stadium fight uh, in the 2000s. And it's like, well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so what would you have to do? Go to Chavez in Hogan? Is that is that is it the biggest fight people wise audience wise since then? Anyway, um, no, no, no. There was another one with Chavez. Anyway, we'll we'll uh, maybe someone can send me some info on that or whatever. I'll check it out. But either way, um, the moral of the story is Spence looked pretty damn close to being all the way back. And like I said, people keep bringing up the car accident. I get it. But I'm going off two fights now, right? And I thought he looked worse in the Garcia fight, right? Which makes sense. Um, but as and, – and it didn't seem like he got better as the fight. Like, he came out very aggressive, which I was like, huh. Okay, dude, I know Spence is aggressive, of course. But, you know, he's shown that he can – fight at range a little bit too um and like i said i think with crawford he's gonna have to mix what he did with the in the mikey fight and also his come forward stuff and he's gonna have to really get to crawford and kind of did what he did with ugas at times where he got so close to him where he was able to get his short shots off he was able to score points but ugas wasn't able to do what he wanted to do so, yeah, like I said, as a longtime boxing fan, I can't get 100% excited for this fight just yet. 
until we hear the announcement. Um, really, if we hear, I suppose we heard uh, Charlo and Mumbuya that they had agreed to terms. <laughs> but I think in this one, if they if we hear that they agreed to terms, that's when I think I'll be pretty happy because I don't see this. I don't think this should be in Cowboy Stadium. Don't get me wrong. It would if it is, and Crawford's willing to do it. You know, more power to him. But I, this should be in Vegas. And it, you know, if you look, um, Crawford has done some good gates at Vegas, solid gates with guys that normally don't sell, like solid. I'm not saying you know big ones, but you know, and in this last Porter fight, that was his best gate ever. So. Um, and that was in Vegas, right? So I think it should be in Vegas. I bet you they'll probably put up the most money. Now, once again, who knows? Um, well, you know, do they do that in during football? Oh, of course, they actually did it in December 2020 when football was going on. But that's also the year where they were losing revenue. So they're probably like, hey, dude, remember the crowd was able to come back. Uh, for that Spence Garcia fight, you know, at a limited uh, capacity, but it still went there. So I wonder, I, you know, I, I don't know if, if they'll do it during the season. Maybe if they find a weekend where there's a buy or, or they're just on the road or something like that, uh, the Cowboys. Um, but I, I honestly don't want it there. I want it in Vegas. Um, you know, I mean, if the Barclays came up and were like, hey, we'll do it, you know, that's cool, too, or Madison Square Garden or something like that. But I think this should be in Vegas, you know. I think it's just a, a perfect Vegas fight. And for big fights, Vegas is the best place because of the the location, you know. You can walk to the venue, uh, you know, or be really close. And there's so many hotels in a, you know, in a short, you know, time frame or, or, you know, not a time frame, but you know what I'm saying. Um, I just think it probably should be there. My guess is they'll outbid Jerry Jones for it. But you have to take Jerry Jones in this one a little bit more serious than, let's say, the the Mayweather Pacquiao, because I always knew the MGM would outbid. And they did previously, uh, even before they actually made the fight prior to that. But um, I could see maybe Jerry Jones saying, hey, this is my guy. I'm going to put up some money for it, and it's not. It's going to be as big money as you know those guys. So, but yeah, my guess is Vegas, and I think that just makes the most sense. Um, obviously, you're not going to do it in, you know, in Nebraska. Although, you know, they could put that in the, the you know, the Cornhusker Stadium there. Um, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. So, I think it'll be in Vegas. I'm just they could put this bitch on the moon. I mean, I don't care where it is, really, but I'm assuming Vegas. Anyway, let's bring in I – ha- I was trying to buy some time there because uh, my switchboard went a little funky, so I had to refresh, and we're good. All right, let's bring in John into the fold. What's going on, John? How the heck are you, man? Hey, Chris. Uh, great to be here, as always. Uh, and was enjoying listening to you recap last week a bit, and, uh, you know, some interesting stuff last weekend, and we've got the true heavyweight championship of the world on the line this Saturday, so there's plenty to talk about. No doubt about that. There is plenty to talk about, and no better place to start than Spence Ugas 
Um, what'd you think overall of the fight? What'd you think of Spence's performance and Ugas? Um, cause you know, he was in the fight, uh, you know, he, he won some rounds and whatnot, no doubt. Um, but also, you know, the round where the mouthpiece thing and there wasn't a knockdown called and all that type of stuff. Um, because, of course, when something happens like that, even though we see knockdowns either shouldn't be called or don't get called, um, we see that type of stuff all the time. But it gets highlighted more in this because it's like, well, you know, that could have been a knockdown or whatever. But the conspiracy comes out because, you know, they gave Spence time to, to you know, to recoup and all that. So they, they think it was – you know, of course, we're always going to get some conspiracies. And so there is like a, a small group, percentage group of folks that do think it was a fixed fight because Ugas didn't go for the knockout. Um, so, yeah, uh, what, what are your thoughts overall, though, just kind of breaking down all the angles of this uh, event, really, because another big crowd there, especially for the United States, we don't always uh, pack stadiums, you know? Yeah, well, I um... – I think, as I heard you say earlier, on the whole, I think Spence is just about all the way back as he was pre-accident. And what was really impressive about this particular performance and showing that, of course, not just the accident, but he had the retina surgery, which is much better than it was 40 years ago. You can come back from that. Uh, it's not as career-threatening as it was 40 years ago and before, but and, and you know be, you go beyond that earlier when fighters would have these things and they couldn't even repair them. But what really impressed me with the retina situation was he came out as his old aggressive self, you know, pow, uh, as a power-type boxer, uh, which is his his strength. You know, he is like to me. There there are some legit. Marvin Hagler comparisons between Spence and Hagler, you know, Spence being a modern welterweight version of that. There are some style similarities, you know, guys who can be aggressive and, you know, punch with both hands, but also have boxing skills and can box, but are aggressive. So what was impressive was with the coming off the eye injury and then a layoff because of that is he was just as aggressive as he had been before the accident looked good. And the fight was playing out like I thought it would. If that was the case, Ugas being a skilled guy was still throwing back, getting in some decent shots here and there, but he couldn't keep up with Spence's volume. Uh, then you got to the, the, the round where you had the drama. You're just watching it in real time. Uh, Spence just appeared to get buckled. You know, then, then it, you learned the mouthpiece was out. Let's face it, you really didn't see the – fully what was going on in that situation uh, until you look at the replay. And I've always been critical of of Lawrence Cole. You know, he's been around forever and I'm with everybody else where he, he just is not, he just isn't, he's just not a good referee. But with that said, Chris, I, I thought you, you pointed it out just the way I thought, I mean, yeah, the official rule in boxing doesn't even really go as far back as people think you know they they you know started you know in in the rules saying okay if if you you go into the ropes and the ropes hold you up uh you you call it a knockdown i mean i'm with you 
in the heat of the action, you, the reality is you see it not get called a knockdown just about as much as it gets called a knockdown. And I've never found that particularly bothersome. Sometimes it's just not a spot you really want to break in the action, and it doesn't really necessarily hurt the fighter that stung the other fighter because he gets to keep throwing. You know, there's there's not a break in that. So uh, that didn't particularly bother me. As you said, I was even amazed. I shouldn't be amazed in modern times, but to see some of the conspiracy nutballs coming out on this fight, you know, when there's a PBC person involved, you see it a lot. Uh, I just didn't, you know, I I wasn't expecting it on this one post-fight. You saw it, and even from not many, but one or two people who are usually reasonable saying it, which I found bizarre. But I've been thinking this a little bit, though, since the the fight, um, just still staying on that round. When you saw the replays later, in that instance, you really did get a little bit of more of a feel of what happened. And to me, it didn't take away in terms of overall great performance by Spence. He looked all the way back, and things happen in fights. But if anything, you know, we'll he showed more. his recoup. Then you know, if he was so hurt, exactly. then he recouped pretty quick. Yeah, and we'll get and we'll get back into that some more because um, you know, pre-accident, I you know, you can go look back at anything I've ever tweeted or or said. Again, before Spence's action, I always felt he'd beat Crawford. I felt now I'm. I'm comfortable that he's back to where he was enough that no problem picking him over Crawford again, even with that moment. But I do want to just add this because you, you got to call it like you see it. Even when it's a a fighter, you have a lot of belief in your life, like ultimately good recovery. Like you said, Chris, but looking at that replay, the only thing that might cause you some concern for Spence uh, at that moment was, when he got hit with the shot that knocked, and you could only see it on replay, but when he got hit with the shot that knocked the mouthpiece out, you know, yeah, it, it was a heat of the moment reaction, but it wasn't the right reaction by him. In other words, yeah. that's yeah. kind of the signs. I mean, look, let's go to the most famous, let's go to the most famous moment like this of all time in boxing when Buster Douglas dropped. Mike Tyson and ended up stopping him. Tyson, not having yeah. senses about him, <laughs> reached for the mouthpiece, tried to put it back in and tried to put it yeah, in the Yeah, it's like, get up, Mike. Get up, Mike. What do you, right. Who cares about your mouthpiece? <laughs> and he put it in backwards and he got counted out. Now, I, I, I'm really a big Errol Spence believer, but you got to stay looking at that replay that even just for a split moment, he ended up recouping well. Yep. But for that split mo- split moment, he probably was in that kind of a state just for a split second. In other words, the right reaction was not to yep. go looking for the mouthpiece when you just got tagged with the right hand and you were stung. So I don't think there was any conspiracy theory or anything. You know, Ugas just didn't immediately follow up. I, I don't think there was any conspiracy by Cole. And, you know, it was kind of hard to tell for a moment what was going on there. I don't even know, except for, you know, people saying, oh, well, his back hit the ropes. You could have called it a knockdown. But like you said, we see that not called as much as we see it called. As far as Cole goes, I don't think it was a particularly bad Cole performance, despite what the conspiracy theorists were saying. I thought those were moments that could have happened with any referee. Let's go then later in the fight. 
just like the punch stats showed. You said Spence then did recoup very well after that, really dominated the action, just raining punches down Ugas. I don't think Cole was wrong when he had the doctor look at that eye a couple of times. I mean, that eye was bad, gave him a chance. And Ugas showed a lot of heart. He was, he was legitimately trying to go on. He wasn't looking for a way out, but I mean, that, that eye, that eye was closed. Um, looked like the, to me, the fight got stopped at the right time. Uh, and then even though Spence was raining punches down and he was the one that caused that with punches, of course that counts. We know how the, sport is for what it's worth though i do think the fight was playing out how i thought in the sense that if not for the eye and we know of course that's a big if because spence caused it by punches and that's part of the objective of the sport as brutal as it is i think if not for the eye you know ugas would have made the 12 and you know spence would have won a decision but spence got back on the in the ko column with that against a very good fighter has never been stopped before, a very slick fighter uh, who's really on one of the very, very best runs in boxing over recent years since his win over the Minnesota guy, Jamal James, uh, when he got his career back on track, and, and, and Al Heyman and, you know, PBC resurrected his career. Uh, so great run by Ugas, great effort, but, you know, Spence back to the old Spence, really impressive performance. I never really went off it, but now now I feel confident again. I just I think he beats Crawford. I've I've always felt it. Uh, Crawford's got a lot of ability, but so does Spence. And I just think that 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 power boxing element that Spence brings, uh, just at, with the volume, just a little bit better than what Crawford's going to bring. But but the Crawford's credit. He's been knocking out guys for a long time. He brings power to the table, even though he's moved up from lightweight. Uh, you know, first got to stop Sean Porter. I don't think that means as much as some of the Spence detractors were trying to point out. You know, Porter had been in a lot of tough fights, retired after the fight, at least at that point, you know, signifying he was much closer to the end of the line. And, you know, Spence dropped him and beat him before that. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's really particularly meaningful to say, oh, well, Crawford stopped Porter and Spence didn't. Uh, that, that that's not a real meaningful argument to me at this point. You know, Spence has just beat a lot of welterweight guys at this point who are good, and uh, it'd be a great fight. I think the fight is huge. I think there. I'm not saying it definitely will, but I think there's probably a chance it crosses over into the mainstream. And I think the time is now. Let's not over Maronite marinate another great fight that could happen let's have this Crawford's apparently a free agent now Let, let's have let's have that fight now let's not wait the fall would be a good time Spence says he wants it now I mean no reason not to get that on and that will be for the welterweight championship of the world again you know I'm, I'm not into the belts thing that doesn't matter to me but that's the one and the two welterweights in the world so that creates a lineal champion in one of the most historic um, divisions in boxing, be the champ of the ring, transnational. So that's the kind of fight you want. That's the fight everybody wants. And it's, it's worth wanting two undefeated guys just about in their primes uh, in a historic original weight class. Can't, can't ask for much more than that. So let's, let's have that fight next. 
yeah, I mean, it's got to happen next, no doubt about it. Um, not that you have to give all the details, because we will, hopefully, this, this fall, be breaking it down right here on rope it but what what do you think are the key things for Crawford to win the fight and vice versa, kind of in a little nutshell, because there are times where Spence, he did it again early in this fight, he does go a little too aggressive, where he puts himself in bad positions sometimes. I don't see him missing as many shots as he did in the early part. Not as many punches overall, but the big ones where he's trying to land a huge, huge one. Um, and then he said, all right, let me set this up. Let me do what I got to do. Um, do. Do you think that it's a blend of styles for Spence or the fact he should probably get as close as he can to Crawford and make him work on the inside and, and smother his counters and all that? And also the versatility, not just with orthodox or southpaw, but the, the movement and the subtle stuff that Crawford does too. So you think it's just overall the power punching in the activity or, or what, 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 what's kind of the, you know, the keys to both guys winning the fight? Because a lot of people are leaning versatility-wise uh, and kind of undervaluing the versatility of Spence, I believe. Yeah, I agree. And I think for Spence, he could go versus with his versatility in that fight uh, because he throws more than Crawford. I mean, there's just, there's just no doubt about that. Uh, that and, and that a lot of times is a stamina type thing. So, you know, we, we know he throws more than Crawford. That's not going to change in that fight. So what I'm thinking is if Spence feels like Crawford's hurting him, uh, can hurt him, and he needs to back off, uh, you know, he, he can he can box from the outside, go with his volume, still land some body shots here and there from the outside. I've seen him do it and try to win that way if he needs to. I, I think you don't want to change from your strengths right off the bat. So I think if you're Spence, you figure you're the stronger guy uh, with the better, a little bit better of a body attack and higher volume. You come out with your aggressive self, but – if you're Crawford, where you're probably looking to win this fight is not that you don't want to win rounds, but I don't, I don't, I don't think unless he scores a couple of knockdowns or something, I, I don't think Crawford can decision Spence, and that's going to make that tough for him. So, I think, and I, I don't mean anything about Crawford scoring or anything like that. I just mean styles. I, I don't think Crawford can do it unless he scores a few knockdowns. Or, or some two couple of knockdowns or something like that. You certainly can't bank on that. So, and, and look, let's look at that Porter fight. You know, Chris, you and I talked about this. I don't think this has been been discussed enough about that fight. I saw I saw about an even fight when Crawford stopped Porter. I mean, pe- people were talking like Crawford was in control that whole fight or had like completely seized control. I mean. You know, you even heard his own corner urging him on correctly with urgency. And to Crawford's credit, he responded. But that's because that fight was up for grabs. So, you know, if Sean Porter, who doesn't have the pop or really, I don't think, the boxing skill of Errol Spence, you know, if he, if he can be, and, that, and that's an older version of Sean Porter, if he, if he can be even with Crawford, you know, go, going late into the fight, uh, I, I don't. I don't see where Crawford's going to be able to uh, build up some kind of lead on Spence. I don't. I don't think he can decision him. So he's going to have to catch him. And so if you're Crawford, what you're looking at really 
is you are looking at that round against Ugas when Spence got stung, and you're saying, I hit a lot harder than Ugas. I've been stopping people. I'm going to look to counter Spence. With, and, you know, Crawford's not afraid to dig in and throw hard shots. Uh, he does that after the first couple rounds and fights when he decides he wants to work on getting somebody out of there, putting some hurt on. And, and you know, I think he will do that against Spence, and that, that's going to make that exciting because, you know, can he catch Spence with some of those shots when Spence coming in, possibly hurt him and get him out of there? I, I don't think it's out of the question. I, I think we'll be able to avoid that and, and uh, beat Crawford. But, I mean, you think if you're Crawford – that's probably the game plan you're going with because look, you know, getting into late into the fight, he was in a situation where to be sure of a victory, he kind of needed to get Porter out of there. So even though every fight's different, I don't, I don't think he, I don't think there's a game plan really to me for Crawford without knocking Spence down a couple of times where, you know, he, he can, he can take a 12 round decision because Spence has too much volume and skill and Spence is not afraid to be aggressive. So, for Crawford, you're looking at landing those counter power shots, which which I think is possible, and and hurting Spence and and you know getting him out of there at some point. But you know I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. it you know when when people say I, I agree with the comparison that you know this is a you know Leonard Hearns for this generation. You know that that to me is not an exaggeration at all. Having been fortunate enough to be around for. Uh, uh, hopefully both of those fights. I, I think it's I think it's a good comparison. That's what we need in boxing today. We don't we're not getting enough fights like that with prime guys in a traditional division taking each other on uh, and building that potential crossover excitement. So it's the type of fight that boxing really really needs, uh, and I think it does compare to those those old classics. Yeah, I think it's just uh I think you know you can really make uh you can make an argument for both sides. I think it's legit and I just I really want to see it, no doubt about it. All right, let's get to uh what normally would have been I still look at it as the co-feature, you know what I mean, for what you normally would say would be a co-feature. This fight gave us right. six, uh fights, but uh Stanonius and Butaev. I mean, I really liked what I saw out of uh, Stanonius in this fight. I mean, that sharp jab. He even mixed up, like, a little bit of circling. And, and, and like, kind of – he just mixed up his game a little bit more than we see. And uh, he won it very cleanly. What would you think of him? Because you have, have been, you know, kind of uh, – like the rest of us, but, you know, you have been kind of zoning in on this guy for the last couple of years, and I'd like to hear your take on this performance. For me, it was his best performance as a pro, and it came at the right time. Yeah, Chris, I, I mean, I think that is true in this particular case. You know, there, there's weekends where you have a lot of action, and sometimes there, you feel like you thought it out right, and it, it doesn't go – the results don't end up, though, quite – the way you expect with that understood, I do feel like this weekend where we had a lot of action, this was a weekend where I did, I did have the right read on just about every, every fight. And this was the closest odds one uh, of the weekend. And as the fight got closer though, Stanionis became more of an underdog. He was, he, he had, 
he had started out as a slight underdog, then went to a slight favorite. Then when the fight came up on DraftKings, about four hours before the fight, he was a he was a plus one hundred, and I did tweet that out because, uh, like you said, I, I and this is where I give PBC credit because this was part of the idea. One thing I think PBC's done really well, and, and that was kind of part of the original idea is, and I've mentioned this a lot, but this is one of the things I really like that PBC did is, and Stanionis is one of the guys. He wasn't from the very beginning in 2015, but a couple of years afterward. But, you know, he going back like four, four years, five years, you know, the, you saw these guys on TV a lot. You know, they, they were on these PBC shows, and you got to know these guys. And when, and when you see these guys live time after time, when you don't know the results, it's always better than watching it recorded if you know the results. Um, you know, you really get to know these guys and what they bring. And, and I saw, you know, Stanionis a lot in, in those PBC cards from very early on. I, I've seen the, the majority of his fights for sure, uh, the vast majority of his fights. And I thought people were underestimating him. I thought he was a guy who – could do everything except he just doesn't have that much pop for his style. And that's kind of what we saw Saturday night, even though it was a great performance and he won. And, and I just, yeah, a lot of people are saying he's not that good. He's not that good. I, I heard that a lot when I would talk about him or tweet about him, whatever the format was. And uh, even going into the fight, just people didn't, most people just didn't seem to respect what he brought. I think that, uh, again, I think it's that they, you know, because he wasn't getting some of these guys out of there that they were just kind of not understanding why. In other words, he's not a bad puncher, but he's not a great puncher, but he does everything else well, and, and he's not feather-fisted. I mean, you could even see that against Brutaya because he could still sting him, but he, he's not a he's not a big power puncher for that aggressive style. But uh, on the way up, he did remind me a bit of Golovkin without the two-handed power. Uh, style-wise, and you know, I still see some of that. So uh, that, that's a guy he reminded me of a bit. And, and it's just, it's just style-wise, uh, there were there were some similarities to me. And you know, this this did end up being kind of a coming out party for him. And this fight went just the way I thought. Uh, it was a war because Staniotis is a skilled guy, but he comes forward. He, he doesn't back up. That is not part of his repertoire, and that's why the guy's always going to be in in good fights because the welterweight division is, I think the the deepest, the best overall in boxing. And he's a guy that has skills, but he doesn't back off. He comes forward aggressively. So win or eventually lose, he, he's always going to be in a good action fight like this one. And you know, Butayev, he, he, he works the body well, has a little more pop than Stanionis, but Stanionis, a little more overall skill. And that's what showed. Uh, what also showed, unfortunately, was, you, you did see enough. You, you really had to say it in that one. I mean, you know, Butayev is not is not a clean fighter, uh, you know, and, and he deserved to get that point taken off, and, and he was doing a lot of things in there, and Stanionis showed a lot of toughness uh, to, to hang in there the whole way and, you know, stand up to a, a bully kind of a, kind of a fighter and, you know, get a clear win. I thought it was a clear win. I, I agreed with the the showtime scoring and the way they were calling it. I saw some people on Twitter to me, despite one judge had it that way. Well, I, I did not see a case for Butayev winning that fight. So uh, I, I could see a case for saying it was close, but not winning it. But like you said, that was the equivalent of the co-feature. 
you know, things change, and there's different TV ways of doing things. So this is about the second time Showtime's done it like that, or whatever their strategy is. But it was certainly better than any of the other undercard fights on the Spence Ugas pay-per-view card, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even on paper heading in, we knew that, right? Um, yeah, we did. We did expect that, but it, 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 again, this was this was a weekend that felt like uh, had a good handle on some things, and th- and that was one. That was a, I really thought that was a great to war, and and I really uh, really did enjoy watching that fight. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely good. Um, and then just some of your thoughts as far as the filling out the rest of the card. Um, you know, I, I did think Venezuela would win. I didn't see him winning that quick. Uh, that destructive. Um, but yeah, any other items you want to touch upon on that undercard before we start to uh, maybe touch upon uh, who the hell Connor Ben would fight next or, and then obviously, you know, Fury and White. I do want to go through the undercard quick. I, I, I will also, cause I feel he's one of the best prospects in boxing. Brandon Lee on the, the showtime part, the regular showtime part with Ochoa. I thought, you know, Ochoa was just in to survive. I, I thought he fought the last couple of rounds, but outside of that, I took that night, that, that performance for Lee with what he was up against. That was kind of like the Ryan Garcia and Tago. I just felt like, you know, the opponent was in to survive. I'm not giving credit uh, to Garcia or Lee uh for their performance, even though they dominated on the scorecards, not getting the guy out of there yet. I do feel it's one of those instances where I, I just don't feel like people should detract from them. You know, when you're, when you're in a guy with a guy who's there to survive, yes, ideally you would want to get the guy out of there. And, and that's a you know feather in your cap. You get props for that. But let's face it. If you're, if you're winning every round and the guy's not trying to do anything to you, I mean, it, it, it almost gets to a point where it's kind of hard to inspire yourself to, to cut off the ring. And, you know, you know the, the, the guy's not opening up. He's not fighting you. You're winning every round. And I thought that that Lee-Nochoa fight was similar to the Garcia-Tago fight like that. Uh, Valenzuela, we know he's a, he's a top lightweight prospect. I, I thought he would get Vargas out of there, called for that. Just didn't think it would be of the one-punch variety. But... I thought that there was enough difference there that he, that he, he would get him out of there. But that's where you up your stock. People want to see you. You're more entertaining. I think people can even underestimate knockouts like that. You know, when you're blowing people away like that on a big stage, people want to see more of you. That's how you market yourself in boxing. I think the, the meeting rounds or going rounds thing uh, when you're a top prospect on the way up or you're starting to enter top ten level, a little overrated in terms of doesn't necessarily help your marketability. Yeah, sure, if you're in a war, it helps your marketability or an entertaining fight, but if you're in with somebody, you should probably get out of there and you go around. Look at Berlanga Rolls. I mean, that doesn't help your stock. I don't want to divert too much, but you saw that was a good gate for Berlanga, and that's good, but see, that's when he was knocking all those people out. You know, eventually you'll lose that luster uh, if, if you have too many performances like that. That, that, Luster he has was built on knocking people out. Uh, Valenzuela, he helps build that by getting a knockout like that. Isak Cruz got one like that against Gamboa. There, 
calling for that one. And some, some people actually weren't. See, that's where you got to look at the styles, I think, because, you know, Gamboa went the distance with Haney. He went late with Tank. But um, with Cruz, when, when he's in, you, you got to watch this with Isak Cruz. I think this is where people are not reading him right. Um, you know, he is tough, but when he's in with somebody short, close to his height, you know, he's, so, he's only 5'4", short for a light, even short for a lightweight. I mean, that punching power is devastating, but when he's got to punch up, you know, we saw Francisco Vargas go out and won with Valenzuela, who's a, a much bigger lightweight than Cruz. Cruz couldn't get him out of there. Uh, you know, we saw that with Cruz with another guy. I mean, he, he was clearly winning those fights, and, and he's still going to win some fights against taller guys, but he, he, can't, he can't get his punches off the same. So for him, it's going to depend a lot on who he's in with. And I think where people are making a mistake, he, he's real tough. Uh, I like the guy. He's fun to watch. But because of the reasons I said, he does not match up well with Ryan Garcia. I think Golden Boy sees that, and I think Golden Boy – is correct there, so uh, I, I don't think he. I don't think that's a good matchup for Isak Cruz. Um, Garcia, a tall, lightweight with power and speed, bad matchup for Isak Cruz. I think that's a fight he could actually be in some trouble in. Uh, but you know, you put him in with the right guys, uh, he, he's going to be exciting and bring some thunder. And Gamboa was a perfect style matchup for that. And then you had Crowley, Josecito uh, Lopez looked done. Crowley. Is kind of versatile. I, I think people go on some stereotypes. You know, he, he's not—he he doesn't even have that much pop, but he's—he's not a—he's not a slugger. He's actually, you know, of course on a on a lower level, but kind of like what you described with Spence. I mean, he—he's got like versatility. You know, he—he he can box. It's a, you know, it, it's a much lower level, of course, than somebody like Errol Spence, even though Crowley's met, established himself legitimately in the top ten. But you know, Spence has power. Crowley doesn't, but, you know, Crowley can, you know, he, he can kind of box pretty well. Uh, he can kind of come forward with some volume. You saw him doing that against Abdukakarov more. He, he did it at times against Lopez, but he's not a, he's not a slugger. You know, he's really not a come forward slugger. And when I see people describing him like that, you know, that, that to me is kind of stereotyping really doesn't fit the way the guy fights. So he's always going to have, trouble with the lack of pop but but he he's got some versatility he's picking up some decent wins now he's undefeated i mean it's the toughest division in boxing and he has established himself in the lower half of the top 10 so that's pretty good and that's certainly farther than i thought he'd go for sure i'll I'll say that and probably farther than most people thought he'd go so pretty pretty good story there and he's on track but you know, people who said that PBC card uh, under Spence was going to be a showcase. I mean, that, that's kind of what it turned into. And, yeah, some that can be good for some of these guys with marketing, but just that being the entire undercard doesn't feel that good when you're paying the 75 bucks. So, uh, and, and, and we're going to get – it's going to be much worse this week, this week with Fury White. We'll get to that later. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so that, that's, that's my thoughts on the rest of the PBC card. Ben got another quick knockout. Uh, it was expected. I mean, these are guys that just don't have power, and, and they don't have the ability to throw punches back at them with any kind of authority. And, and you know, look, Van, Van Heerden 
Did you see the way he was punching even in round one when he was trying to punch? I mean, his punches had no pop, but he looked like he was in slow motion. You, you, you knew it wasn't going to be long before he got taken out. The one thing I will say for Conor Ben is when he takes – and like you said, I, I always give a guy props for taking care of business because it ups your entertainment value. It's what the fans want. They don't want to see you dancing around with a guy that you should knock out. And, you know, Conor Ben has provided that entertainment value in his last two fights with Algieri and Van Heerden. Uh, that's what you want to see. That puts his marketability up some. But in terms of boxing analysis, you got to remember he was not able to do that against Granados, and he wasn't even able to do that against a guy like Formella. Now, you're not going to get everybody out. But, again, these are guys that don't punch back with authority. We, we really don't have any idea what he's going to do with somebody that punches back with authority. Yeah, that's true. And, you can, you know, get to a place where all of a sudden it happens against a legit guy or even a somewhat legit guy, and it could there could be an issue there. And, and we've actually talked minorly about that as far as, you know, some guys – are moved faster than others obviously and that's a natural thing but just the way they're moved fighters in general on average compared to a couple decades ago you know you don't really get as many tests as you want just to be like hey you went this this many rounds with the solid guy hey you got buzzed what'd you do after that you know so yeah it'll be interesting to see i mean Hearn will list like six seven guys but we'll see uh who it actually is this summer yeah, I don't know who he, I don't know who he put. I, I can't. I'm with everybody else. I can't figure out where he goes because they talk about Avenesian, but you know he's he's not being promoted by Hearn anymore. Now you and I have both said Hearn does like to have his guys fight out of house, so to speak. Uh, he he said mm-hmm. that people say, "Oh no, why are you saying that?" But we've heard him say it. He said it many times. Yet Connor Ben is such a you know, prize to him, uh, you know, you can tell her and sees him as so marketable with the story, you know, his dad being Nigel Ben, that, you know, I, I, does he risk Connor Ben against another promoter's guy who could beat him? I, I don't think so. Uh, so I don't, it, it makes it hard to figure where he goes. Now, the, the funny thing to me is the one guy that, that people know that they say, oh, he needs to fight Avenesian at, he needs to fight Avenesian. I think I'll pick him over Avenesian. I, I, I think I just don't think Avenesian is good as uh, some people make him out to be. I mean, you know, so I agree. Know, he stops Liriaga. You know, that's like European competition. That's you know not legit top ten competition. I mean, you know, he, he lost to Garcia as well. Think of that the way you saw Garcia against Harrison the other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, last week, um, you know, and then, he, okay, he, be, he he stopped Josh Kelly. You know, we don't really know what Josh Kelly is in the sense that he already had a draw with Ray Robinson. And I thought Kelly was actually looking good the first few rounds against uh, Avenesian, but he just, just kind of got gassed. He's just, just not that good. Uh, his corner didn't have any faith in him. They, they stopped the fight real quickly. Uh, but he didn't even seem to protest. You know, he didn't even seem to be mind that himself. Uh, but, you know, they, they just 
they just didn't even seem to have much faith. What I'm what I'm getting around to is, you know, I I saw, you know, Avanesian get taken to the brink by Shane Mosley Sr. when Shane Mosley Sr. was 45 years old. Yeah, then, then, like real late. Yeah, that, then you know, Avanesian's backers say, "Well, well, he's gotten better." I don't think he's gotten better. I just think it's who he who he's fighting. You know, he got taken out by Cavalaskis. Um I think Connor Ben can take him out. Uh, I don't know if Hearn thinks it yet. I mean, that, that that's probably what we're waiting on. You know, then they throw out Broner. You know, Broner just – he doesn't throw enough punches. We know that. He's durable, but he's not big for a welterweight. He doesn't throw enough punches. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if Hearn – I don't know who else Hearn would be. I, again, I, I mean, McKinson – now that's a guy that to me, I mean, McKinson is is the definition of feather fisted. Uh, some people, I think, totally misanalyzing, saying, "Oh well, Ben won't fight McKinson." I mean, to me, McKinson's made the order for Ben. He's got feather fists, terrible in his last outing. He's undefeated against nobody. Uh, people are overrating him. I mean, that that to me would would be, and he, he's highly ranked in some of the alphabets. So. Um, that to me would be a guy that that I would think Eddie Hearn might might put on his radar screen. I, that that seems to fit the bill. I mean, if there's people that are going to mistakenly say that McKinson's a significant test for Connor Ben, I mean, that to me would be up Hearn's alley. Uh, you know, if he if he goes with more of an in-house type of thing, I don't even know who who he, who he could go with at this point. So I'm with everybody else. It's kind of kind of hard to figure exactly what he's going to do next. Um, Again, the other guy that some people might accept, Kel Brook, to be announcing. I think he takes out Kel Brook. I think Kel Brook's too faded. You can't go on the con fight. Uh, Kel Brook's punch resistance is shot. To me, another made-to-order guy for Connor Ben. So um, if he goes Brook and, and people would accept it, that, that might work. Uh, I don't think he needs to be afraid of Avanesian either. It's not that these guys aren't a little better than what he's fighting, but I, I think these are the guys he can take. Now, before we move on, just throw out there to keep perspective, were, were, you, were you to put him in with guys like the top of the division, Ennis, people like that, you saw how tough Stanionis was, even a Butayev in a loss, he, he's not going to get me or any of those kind of guys. And, you know, he, he, got dropped by a, he got dropped by a club fighter, you know, from the, the French club fighter, you know, Renaud earlier in his career. I think that's why they got him away from a puncher. I mean, he, he, he might, he might get blown out, you know, if he's in with a puncher, I mean, he, he gets hit. Uh, he's been in with non punchers for a long, for his whole career. So he, he could go out quick. I, I don't think he gets near any, any of those types of guys. All right. So heading into the weekend here, Obviously, we got a big, big stadium fight with uh, Tyson Fury, and I'm pretty sure Dillian White is uh, is going to fight. You know, he hasn't done much media this week. He didn't show up to the uh, open workout. Well, he, had, he hasn't done much media in general. He finally did kind of uh, break the silence a little while ago, but... Um, how do you see this fight playing out? Because obviously we know Fury has, you know, multiple ways to win a fight. We've seen him, you know, be on the back foot and box all night. 
We've seen him uh, let some folks kind of do what they got to do when he's on the rope and then come out at a, on top. He's also learned how to, you know, or showed that he can rough guys up. He can get, he can put that, you know, that body mass and that six nine frame just, you know, on you and lean on you and wear you down. And clearly he could take a shot, you know? I mean, the guy, sure, you get knocked down against Wilder, that happens. But for him to come back to some of those shots, I mean, it just says a lot about the guy. Um, stylistically, how do you see this one breaking down? I mean, I do hope that it's not a jab fest. Um, obviously, Fury wins that pretty cleanly. But Dillian White, his you know his schedule in the last four or five years has been steady. You know, he's been steady. He did have the setback against Povekin. He has gotten uh, knocked down late in fights, um, but he's pretty steady, I'll say. You know, he seems to kind of fluctuate in what kind of shape he's in. I'm assuming he's in about as tip-top shape as possible, but we really won't know till the weigh-ins. And, you know, the injury stuff, you never really know totally. Um, but what are your thoughts in general on how this fight will play out when they get in there in the ring in front of a huge, huge Wembley crowd. But for, for the first thing, I think with heavyweights, you always got to look at the weights because they, they, they can give you an indication of what kind of condition the fighter's in. And, and it, there is some importance in this fight. One scenario that we won't know until Friday, but could be good for Dillian White uh, with, with the weights, and the conditioning situation would be, let's say if, if Gillian Bet White was in like a career best type of shape, which without looking back at his past weights, just off the top of my head, I, I think, you know, when he gets around 250-ish, like, and this would be obviously the fight of his career, let's say he was even under that or right on that. And then let's say, which people are speculating about this, and they might be right, let's say Fury with him, this actually is possible. Let's say if White were to do that and Fury were to come in like at 290 or over, something like that. I think then, I'm not saying the result's going to change, but that gives Dillian White a better chance and opens the door for him. And one of the reasons I say that is because, again, when we did the show and these fights were going on and, you know, I've been saying on podcasts and tweeting, you know, in the first, what, what, the first Wilder Fury fight in really good shape. And, uh, you know, that was a dramatic fight, a draw. I don't think, I, I don't buy what everybody, a lot, not everybody else, a lot of people say. I mean, I, I think a draw was fair in that fight. Uh, there were rounds where there weren't as many punches being thrown. Uh, you know, Wilder scored the two knockdowns. Um, but it was a dramatic fight, Fury I agree, a remarkable recovery from getting dropped in the 12th round against the big puncher in Wilder. And he had Wilder almost on the verge of being in trouble uh, after he got up from that knockdown in the 12th round. The second fight, you had Fury coming in real heavy, but Wilder too heavy, not not in the kind of shape he should have been in. So they were both heavy. Third fight, you had Wilder coming in heavier even, and Fury coming in heavier. So you get the theme. In other words, 
there's a possibility that as the Wilder Fury trilogy went on, both guys were not in as good shape as they could have been in, even though, you know, the third fight was fight of the year, rightfully so, one of the greatest heavyweight fights of all time. I'm not saying they weren't in some shape, but but it might not have been the case where they were both in optimum shape. So if White were to do what Wilder did not do, in other words, at least not since the first time he fought Fury, being in his best shape. But remember, in the first Fury fight, Fury was in shape at a low at a low weight. He had cut his weight down. Like a scenario where Fury's real heavy, White's in the best shape of his life. Fury might open. We haven't seen that look in these last three Wilder Fury fights. That might play out a little differently than people think. I think that would give White a better chance. I don't think myself. It's enough for him to win, but it would give him a better shot. But, you know, if, if White comes in heavy and Fury's heavy, you know, that, that's big advantage Fury to me. I think, like you said, Chris, I mean, and this is what a lot of people say for going in White, and, and, you know, there's some truth to it. In the modern era where in all divisions, fighters just don't fight the schedule they used to in terms of quality of opposition, you know, Dillian White's uh, – schedule his resume so to speak in terms of who he's fought it, it is it is better you know than the other than a lot in terms of depth than, than the other heavyweights but I think that relatively speaking I've always felt that I'm going to say it again I just have never felt Dillian White has been particularly talented uh, you know he throws a good volume of punches and then He's got that big unorthodox left hook. I, I wasn't even sold on that early in his career, but he sold me on that. So uh, for people who say that that's his only real chance, uh, that's what I suspect too. And, unless the conditioning, again, where White is in such great condition and Fury in such bad condition that changes things a little bit, I think the only chance he's got is the wild left hook. And you know, can, can he put a guy as big as Fury down and out with that? At heavyweight, anything can happen like that. It's not impossible, but I, I just don't think it's likely because Fury has skill. And like you said, Fury has been fighting more aggressively in recent fights. It, it really is amazing that, you know, since the 12th round, I think that really was the key. Fury is you know, you know, pretty smart boxer like that. I think even he saw it and felt it. He saw how well he did after getting up from that knockdown against Wilder in the 12th, really was on the verge of having Wilder in trouble. He picked that right back up in fight two, did it again in fight three. He did it. He fought aggressively against Valen. He fought aggressively against Schwartz, who's very low-level opposition, but he got him out quickly. Uh, and, and, you know, Valen was tough hanging, gave him a very tough fight. But like you said, you know, in that fight, when Fury was turning it around, he was bullying Volland, putting him against the ropes, pushing him back, leaning on him. You know, also you could say that that helped develop when he went back to you know Sugar Hill and Kronk, uh, and I and I think that did help it. I mean, that's something he was willing to do to me that Anthony Joshua hasn't been willing to do. You know, make a switch, right. try 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 to get better, and I think that that is a huge difference. So. You know, he's still got those guys with him. To White's credit, you know, he has recently brought in, in recent fights, uh, Harold Shadow Knight from New Jersey, a former fighter. 
think it probably helped him a bit. Uh, so, you know, White was even willing to, you know, make, make some adjustment there. I don't think it's going to be enough, but it, it certainly helps more than hurts. So he's got Harold Knight as well now helping him recently. Uh, but I just think Fury, I think, like you said, he, he could do it jabbing if he wants to. You know, he's 6'9", he's got fast hands. Uh, you know, we talk about Fondora being a, a freakish type guy at 154. Well, you know, Fury's at the the top division heavyweight, and he's a freakish type guy at heavyweight. It really is at the point where we really haven't seen anybody like him. Uh, and, you know, Emmanuel Stewart in the fame, now famous video, you know, was talking about him like that. Uh, you know, Fury did go to Detroit. You know, Stewart, Stewart got to see him. And, you know, Stewart, a boxing genius, he knew the guy was different. And, and Stewart did point out his toughness early on, as he did with Wilder. Uh, and that turned out to be true. I mean, I, you know, Emmanuel Stewart did say that early on, and, and he saw what he saw in him exist. You know, Fury has Fury ended up being much better than I thought he was going to be. I mean, I, I don't mind saying that because that happens sometimes. I mean, he ended up being a much more talented guy than I thought he was and, and was going to turn out to be. But, but I'm sold now. Um, but even though he's always gotten up, you know, I think and it's heavy where you can get dropped. He did get dropped by Steve Cunningham. Uh, who wasn't a puncher at cruiserweight. He was dropped by a lesser guy earlier than that. Um, White has been dropped a lot, hurt a lot. And it's a heavyweight. That's going to happen. You can't look at heavyweight like the lower weights. But here's where I differ from a lot of people. Uh, And, you know, Wilder's a huge puncher, no doubt about it. Fury went all those rounds with him without getting knocked out. But still, these guys have been hurting down, even though it's heavyweight. I don't, I'm not sure that, that these guys have the, the best chins in the world, believe it or not. Um, I, I, I definitely think White does not. And, you know, with Fury, even though he's on the top, you know, of course he's also been in with Klitschko. I'm not saying he can't take a shot. You couldn't say that with what he's done. It's not that. But I don't, I don't, think, Fury's got, I don't think Fury's got a rock jaw. Right? Well, let's just say that. You know, I think, I think he, you know, he, he can be hurt, and he's been down enough where – he probably can be stopped too. You know, it's heavyweight. Anybody can be, but I'm saying maybe, maybe he has a little bit of vulnerability there. But again, when a guy's six nine, you know, going two seventy, two ninety, you know, it, it's heavyweight where anybody can knock anybody out. But I, I, I did see the great Emmanuel Stewart start to say that when the heavyweights got bigger, and even George Foreman made a successful comeback. That you know, even though it's heavyweight, where one shot can do it for anybody. Some of these guys were getting just so, you know, just so damn big that they're, they're taking more, they're taking more shots. You know, they're, they're harder to get out of there. And I think Fury might be a guy like that when we're talking about those recuperative powers. You know, I think it's that, you, you know, you're fighting a dude that you're fighting a dude that's six, nine, you know, you know, that's now coming in at two seventy five. He might come in right. at two ninety. Uh, you know that that might be a stamina issue, but when you when you're trying to get a dude like that out of there, that that's that's not easy to get a guy like that out of there because it's not like he's it's not like he's slow and he and it's, and he, and we know he's tough. So getting back to that, then how I think it comes out, I just think Fury is a lot more talented than White. He's bigger, he's more talented. He seems to, Fury now with the weight, he seems to be punching a bit better than he was earlier in his career. He's being more aggressive. I don't think White does take that great of a shot. Parker had him about out at the end, got dropped by 
you know, you know Rivas, Povetkin, you know, took him out with one shot. And, you know, Rivas and Povetkin are not the biggest heavyweights. Um, I, I think that uh, – I think Fury – I think Fury's going to get him out of there. I think if Fury's in, in reasonable shape, uh, the only chance White's got is to land that wild left hook out of nowhere. I, I don't think he can do it against Fury and get him out of – and even if he did, I don't think he can get him out of there. Uh, I think Fury's just, just too big and too savvy for that. And I think Fury, if he's reasonably aggressive, I, I see him getting white out of there. He, he might. I think it's even possible he gets white out of there early. Um, and, you know, one final thing I'm a little curious about is since Fury did have three fights with Wilder, you can't always go by that. But, you know, we, we do want to get a little bit of perspective how Fury looks against some other fighters because Schwartz doesn't really count. He got him out of there early. But he did have troubles with Wallen, you know, and, and Wallen was on him in the 12th round. I mean, he was he was nailing him, pushing him back. I think if if Wallen had some more power, uh, that could have been a problem for Fury. Now, Wallen's got some boxing skill, though, and, and, and I think he does have some talent. I, I just, like I said, I just don't think at this level, I just don't think White's all that talented. And I think Fury should get him out of there without much trouble. Yeah, I'm hoping for... Uh a bit of a slug fest, but I think, I think you're right there. I think you, you might have it right on the nose there. Um, any other items that you'd like to talk about or address or anything like that before we, uh, let you go, sir. Yeah, I'll wrap it up, Chris, but I think I, I do like to talk about all the aspects of the sport like that with the fury white when it got signed. Um, I think people are underestimating, Fury has slowly but surely gotten a lot of U.S. exposure. You even go back to that Cunningham. That was actually before PBC even started, when NBC was still dabbling with a little bit of stuff with the Duvas, kind of like a glory days thing, where they were setting some fights up for him. And, you know, Fury came over and fought Cunningham in Madison Square Garden. That was actually on NBC. Um, one, one time obviously doesn't do it, and, and that didn't, but – you know, that then he had, he had some premium cable appearances. You know, he, he had the, the the two good-selling pay-per-views for this era against Wilder. He, he had fights on ESPN with Schwartz and Ballin. Um, you know, he, he's been showing up. He showed up at wrestling things. You see on the Forbes list how his dollars have gone up. I think what they might have been thinking when they decided to make this pay-per-view and, and – I don't know on this part of it either way. I think I'm not saying it will, but it could surprise some people. I mean, you know, we might just be getting to that point in the U.S. where Fury's known enough that he sells more pay-per-views than you would expect. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but I but I can see a little bit of that reasoning that okay, we're going to try that and, and see if we've built him up enough in the U.S. where he just sells. I think that could happen, even though he's a British guy. I think that could happen more than people think. I'm not going to predict it. And we nowadays with streaming numbers on ESPN Plus and things like that for the pay per view, we're not going to we're not going to get those numbers. But if we could ever get a credible report, I'm interested in that. Um, so I thought, even though I would have liked to not have it not been on pay per view when they first signed it and said it's going to be on afternoon in the U.S., I thought, I don't know, maybe this would work if they put a really good, strong U.S. undercard and market it well here, uh, 
you know, I thought they were going to do that when they, Jared Anderson was going to be on there and, you know, have these U.S. guys make their U.K. debut. Maybe they even fight British fighters. I thought this could work, but we've seen no promotion. It's got to be arguably the worst pay-per-view undercard of all time, and I don't think that's any hyperbole or exaggeration. I mean, so we've got seventy-four ninety-five for two British guys and the worst pay-per-view undercard of all time. You know, I know undercards don't drive the sales, but, but I think they do help. And especially in this type of situation. So I thought this event maybe had some underrated potential going in, but I, I just don't think that it's been tapped. And now you've had, even had this Kinahan issue kind of getting thrown into things where maybe it's even added more hesitancy. And as we are now on the Tuesday before the fight in U S terms, I just, I just don't know how this thing's going to do. And if it does anything in the U.S., it's going to come down to what I just said, that, that Fury just had enough appearances. He, he built up U.S. name recognition, and you just have more people buying this thing than you would expect. But uh, it's not going to be because of the, the marketing and, and any help from the undercard, that's for sure. Yeah, I actually, I was watching uh... – Sports Center today, and I did see like a quick ad for it. Not necessarily like a full-on commercial, but an ad for it. So hopefully, uh, you know, ESPN has a lot of NBA playoffs this week. So hopefully, they uh, put the ad there, there, so it can get some uh, attention in general. Because uh, you're right, there's just not a lot of not a lot of buzz for it, considering you know. It is a guy that if you follow the sport, you, you probably know Dillian White, not the casuals, of course, but it's really hard to, uh, you know, plug those those folks in but um, and activate them. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but I appreciate you stopping in a little bit earlier than normal, and uh, you have yourself a good night and enjoy the fights this weekend. Thanks, Chris. Um, appreciate you having me me as always and i am looking forward to that fight this weekend being the heavyweight championship of the world so that always does provide interest so it's gonna it's gonna at least be good in that sense yeah that's a good call it is the lineal all right you take it easy have a good night take care chris all righty next stop we will be going out to portland Josue 503 um Somebody actually uh, messaged me about the news about uh, Joseph Diaz. Now, this was reported, uh, you know, a little while ago. Pro boxer Joseph, this is the headline from ESPN. Uh, Joseph Diaz accused of attempting or attempted, uh, gosh dang it, the thing just froze up. Shoot, I had the, I think it's coercion and, and Enticement, I think is what it was. Hold on. My internet's kind of getting jacked up. Yeah, that's what it was, uh, of a minor in a lawsuit. So an unidentified plaintiff has filed a lawsuit against professional boxer Jojo Diaz, accusing the former IBF superweight featherweight champ of attempting to coerce a minor to engage in sexual activity. The lawsuit, which was filed Jane Doe, because obviously she's underage, uh, in the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California. 
uh, alleges that Diaz, 29, shared sexual graphic material with the plaintiff via social app Snapchat in September 2020. The plaintiff states she was 17 at the time. So, you know, obviously this is alleged. Um, so, you know, you don't, I'm not going to sit here. And, this is basically what I do every time. You know, let's, let's just see what happens, um, you know, how this goes down and whatnot. Um, also, Jake Donovan is reporting Casimiro, Casimiro denied permission uh, to defend title versus Butler due to uh, BBBOC medical violation. So the, the commission over there, the, the British Board of Control uh, Medical Guidelines. So they have this, uh, he's basically um, has literally landed in hot water, Casamayor. That's how Jake started the uh, article. The three-division title is now at risk of being forced to vacate the WBO Bantam title due to his use of, sa- of a sauna days ahead of a scheduled title defense in Liverpool. Um, he was going to take on Paul Butler, uh, but is no longer permitted to go through with the fight after violation, violating terms of the BBBC medical guidelines. The, B, the British Board of Boxing Control has a zero-tolerance policy regarding the use of saunas to lose weight before the fight. The British Board of Control has been made aware with supporting evidence that Mr. Casimir has made use of the sun in close proximity uh, to his World Boxing Organization Championship contest on the 22nd of April. It was scheduled. So, such a good thing for him there, obviously. A little bit of uh, Kinahan follow-up. This is uh, from Boxing Scene as well, Sean Nam. Uh, or Nam, Warren pushes back against Aram's claim about payments to Kinahan. Um, in a recent interview with the Irish Mirror, Bob Aram, the head of Las Ve- you know, of top rank, uh, responded to outsized scrutiny to, <clears throat> regarding his relationship with Kinahan. Uh, he went on to say that, you know, for, for Fury versus White, um, Frank and I drew the line. We would not talk to him and would not deal with him. But he did say that he paid him, uh, Aram. Anyway, Bob Aram said he paid him uh, as an advisor. Top rank, Bob Aram is Tyson Fury's U.S. promoter. Warren told BBC Five Live Boxing, Queensberry, whom I'm involved with, is a worldwide promoter. So in other words, we have rights to the rest of the world. The only financial involvement with us and Tyson Fury when he fights in the States, is Tyson Fury himself at BT. We have no financial relationship for those fights with top rank. Aram told the Irish Mirror that he paid Kinahan $4 million in consult- conciliation fees directly to Hupo Sports Agency, a company registered in Dubai where Kinahan lives. I certainly knew and Tyson certainly knew nothing about the payments made by top rank to the company in the Middle East. That's their business. This has nothing to do with us, yada, yada, yada. Um, There is a little bit of follow-up to that, um, you know, as far as, like, what actually happened there, uh, or not what happened, but uh, let me 
see if I can find it really quick where to go. There was actually some interesting stuff that came with this. Um, well, Aram, I think I talked about this last week, how Kinahan, he said he was using bully tactics, uh, you know, but I'm not, you know, I don't know. But this is this is also him saying that, uh, you know, he, he paid that, uh, the deals, the deals for the fights were put together from Harrison Whitman, a top ranks former, a top ranks former general counsel who is now chief strategy and legal officer of a new boxing promotional company called Pro Bellum. So he, he used his consulting fees owed uh, to him. And then there's another one. This is uh, Sandra. I think it's Bonin or Bon, Bonhun, <laughs> Bonin. Uh, Dan. This is from May 14, 2020. The former MTK Global CEO Sandra Daniel. Uh, this is some quotes from her. Daniel obviously is an advisor to Bob Arum, right? Obviously, an official capacity that he's got with them. The reason that we managed to get dates for ESPN is because Daniel gave me the introduction to Top Rank, and they were talking about because some like an MTK card actually just got pulled off at ESPN Plus of late. Um, and, and that type of thing. But anyway, let's get back um, to business here. Let's bring, let's go into Portland and bring in five hundred three host Sway. What's going on, Portland man? How are you doing, sir? Portland, you there? Oh, there we go. <laughs> El acero apretado y el rigor, y retiemble en sus centros la tierra al sonoro rugir del cañón. Yo, 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 what up, what up, Chris? Hey, yo, I'm doing good, brother, here in uh, beautiful Oregon, but uh, how you doing, Chris? How's everything, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing really good. Uh, looking forward to another stadium fight coming up. <laughs> Yeah, well, we got a uh, Tyson Fury, uh, Dillian White. I mean, I, you know what? I'm, de- I'm I'm a little hesitant to buy it. You know, like it doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't really intrigue me. In all honesty, I mean, I feel like it should be for free. I know it's out there in England, and, and like this is uh, is this is it going to be early, Chris? Too like uh, I don't know about anything about that. Like, is it is it early? Yeah, it's, the the card starts at like two o'clock Eastern, so it's going to start really early for you. Oh, okay, for sure, for sure. Damn, yeah, probably, yeah, I'll probably end up skipping this one, and I'll honestly just catch like the, <clears throat> the the replay. You know what I mean? I don't know. This, I don't know. This fight doesn't really intrigue me. I, I never, in all honesty, never. Uh, <clears throat> not a big fan of Dillian White. You know, uh, in my just that that's my opinion. But if I could review, uh, uh, I know a lot has happened throughout the last week. I wasn't able to be on the show, but I could recap real fast, man. Um, uh, tri- uh, Triple G, uh, Rayota Ray- Ray- Morota. You know, this is a good fight, man. Uh, tri- for Triple G. Uh, I think you know, you know, after seeing this fight, man, I don't think you know. I was thinking maybe it's a little hard for Canelo to get the KO. Uh, you know, a lot of people he got a little uh, criticized for uh, for the beginning of the rounds, but I thought that was just experience, you know, kind of playing rope a dope. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, trying to just let him gas out. You know, wait, wait to come on later. Uh, Triple G did his thing, got the got the stoppage. Uh, 
that was cool of him to give him his uh, his robe at the end, some respect there, Triple G. But uh, yeah, man, I just feel like you know it looks like you know he's he's got he's earned himself a Canelo fight. Uh, and, but that's if he if Canelo gets through Bivol first. Uh, so you know it's an intriguing fight now. So uh, uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. Uh, also, uh, shout out to also uh, Ryan Garcia, Emmanuel to go uh, after you know after. After this fight, uh, to go has to go, in my opinion. I, I thought that was just a kind of a, a not not a good uh, just a good performance, in my opinion. I thought he should have done a little bit better. I just thought he 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 was there to uh, survive, in my opinion. You know, uh, so I I just think like with that kind of performance, you know, it's gonna be. I, I don't see him being brought back, but but maybe I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but that was just a lousy performance. I, I just would have liked to see him uh, do more. Um, but yeah, Ryan Garcia did his thing. He got the win, so uh, shout out to him. Uh, he did all. He did all right. You know, it looked like he was trying to get the KO, but couldn't get it. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what's up with him. And also, uh, you know, he called out uh, what he called out the the pit bull right after uh, or during this uh, during uh, this this last week, I believe. <clears throat> and uh, he uh, and also what was his name? Pitbull got the win right. Uh, he got the uh, a devastating uh, knockout over. Uh, an experienced Gamboa. I thought Gamboa was going to be a little bit more uh, tricky in, in the fight, but he it seemed like it didn't matter. Uh, his power was too much. But this fight, man, <clears throat> this fight, uh, Pitbull, man, uh, Isak Cruz versus Ryan Garcia, man, this is what I want next, man. This is this has to happen, man. Uh, this is a good fight for both men, uh, you know. But both young guys too, you know, like uh, you know, King Ryan, you know, both guys have power. Uh, you know, Mexican American versus a full Mexican man. I, I think I, you know, I would love for this fight to be next, but you know, we, we'll see. I, I didn't think uh, after that. Uh, I, I, if I remember correctly, I remember uh, Isak something like he that. Uh, I know it's like the uh, the uh, the Garcia fight's a little difficult to make, um, but I, hopefully that that's that's just the fight I want to see by the end of this year if they can. Um, so, uh, if they can make that happen, that'd be dope. And also shout out to the, to the ladies, uh, Marlon Esparza got the win back, uh, Rizzo, Gabriel Rosado, uh, man, you know, I would have put out that night, I would have put down like a hundred dollars on Gabe Rosado winning that fight, man. Uh, man, shout out to Shane Mosley Jr. Uh, man, that guy, uh, he looked, in my opinion, he looked well. Uh, I remember he used his boxing, uh, beautifully. Um, so sh- uh, shout out to him. It looks like, uh, what, what's that fight lined up for him? People are talking about, uh. At uh, what 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 is it? At 160, I, I fuck, I, I forget. But he, it's good things, good things for that young kid. And um, and also all, uh, Erickson Lubin, Sebastian Fandora, man, this this is war. That was such a good fight. Casual fans, uh, MMA fans, I would go back to watch this one, man. I would just get the subscription, um, uh, the Showtime subscription just for this fight, man, because that was that was something, man. Um, that was uh, that fight. was lit, Elfin. Fandora got yeah, Fandora uh, you know got the knockout uh, in the in, or I mean sorry the the referees or the the corner stopped it in the in the seventh but uh, man uh, in the, uh, what what a perform uh, you know uh, Lubin Lubin man that that is a dog uh, Fandora man his his those attributes that he carries into the fight his his natural abilities man that 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 is something uh, so uh, man uh, Fandora was like in my opinion Fandora was a like kind of a a superstar after that uh, overnight, you know, after an event like that, because man, people were talking about, talking about him like everywhere, you know what I mean? They 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 they're showing Eric, uh, 
you know, poor Lubinson's uh, face, you know, his his man. Lubin took, a, you know, his face shows his story, man. Holy crap. Um, but, man, uh, Fandor, man, thanks for him, man, in the future. So shout out to him. Hopefully he gets a Charlo fight, something big. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, man, what can I say? That that guy is good, man. I can't, you know, last, I remember uh, telling you, Chris, I, I was criticizing him and I was telling him maybe he should bulk up. But, man, uh, I, I, you know, I just want to retract that because, man, I, the, this guy is, he's something special, man. And, uh, and at that weight, he's um, something even more. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see what's up with him. So, uh, and also, I hope he stays active this year. Don't go hiding, um, you know, Fondora. Uh, uh, what else? Yeah, he's been uh, active uh, too lately. He's been really active lately too. We've been seeing, well, we've been seeing him a lot, you know, over the last few years, and it's like they keep stepping him up nicely and giving him challenges, and uh, Mm -hmm. it's 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 good to see because you got to, like you said, you got to, you know, keep people uh, active, especially when they're in development stage. You know what I mean? When they're still learning a lot. Yeah, man. He yeah, he's a young guy, so you know. Uh, hopefully, yeah, like I was saying, like the, hopefully, they, hopefully he stays active. <clears throat> you know, he, but I mean, his track record does show that. So shout out to the kid. <clears throat> and also, uh, what, 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 real quick, uh, the uh, the Davis uh, Romero press conference that was that was cool. Um, th- that that press conference made me want to buy the the pay per view, no doubt, man. Uh, it's uh, you know things like that capture me, man. Like when when things like that happen, you know both guys talking shit, especially uh, uh, Davis, man. He came after him, bro. Like you, you know he's he's he seemed really angry, and uh, Romero kind of you know uh, you know shout out to the kid, but man he uh, he uh, wasn't he wasn't as loud as he usually is. So, but man, I don't know. It was cool. Uh, so I would tell the the fans to go look at that uh, to you know to get you ready for a fight. <clears throat> so, but yeah, like like I was saying, like that that fight, I can't wait for it to happen. And also, uh, let's get into this last uh, the last pay per view. Like I said, Isak Cruz uh, got uh, a devastating knockout. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so uh, I would go. I would, man, that that was a, that was a good fight, man. To like like for a fan, like the, I think this pay per view yeah, was, was really worth banger. it, man, because it was yeah. It was just a good bang, you, know? you know, even Gamboa, even Gamboa and Spots was like coming after him too. Like he was, was like, man, I was like, you know, he he kind of went after him too. So, uh, shout out to the kid, man. I don't but, know uh, how he Isak bounces Cruz, uh, back up. He'll get just start that insane? somehow bounce right back up, dude. Gamboa is just funny yeah. like that. Yeah, isn't that insane? And but like with like a poker face too, like you know, kind of uh, right, yeah. In like, a way, I'm he good. gets up Smart, without like, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, so but shout out to you know Gamboa, man. Shout out to him, man. He's like I was seeing his like his uh, his box rec, and man, he's got yeah. he's got a list of you know crazy he opponents. Really does. Like last his last his last recent opponents are crazy. So shout out to him, man. Um, but recover, man. Uh, hopefully you get better, man. Gamboa, yeah. I know you're already better, but <clears throat> you know, uh, you know, we'll we'll see if he comes. I'm I'm sure he'll be back. He'll bounce back. <laughs> like you know, like he always does. He'll bounce back. Uh, so, uh, like I was saying, Isak Cruz, like, I want the, uh, uh, what's that, uh, Ryan Garcia fight, that's what I want next, and also, shout out to, uh, Jose, Jose Valenzuela, man, uh, Francisco Vargas, man, this first Ooh. round knockout, man, Francisco, bro, Francisco Vargas, man, I was, uh, oh, man, that, that was hard to watch, hard to watch, man. I didn't um, think he'd be that nasty. easy. I really thought that no, was I didn't, I didn't think so either. Isak Cruz just went, you know, a full 10 rounds with him not long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just shows you, man. Styles make fights, and anything could happen in a fight, man. And uh, but man, Jose Venezuela, man, uh, he, he did a thing. Uh, 
perfect. Yeah, man. Uh, man. Beautiful, beautiful shot. And in all honesty, too, like, just so, like, when he did it, too, it was just, he seemed like, it was, like, effortless, you know, for him. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. But, man, uh, but, but, yeah, man, but, like, I, like I was I like saying, man, kid, Francisco man. Vargas. Yeah. But uh, but I was saying, like, Francisco Vargas, man, like, uh, hope I'll get better, man. Um, in all honesty, man, it's, it's hard. I don't know what to say, man. It's just the... Uh, Keep doing yeah. your thing, man. That's that's all I can say. I'm there to support. I'll you know I'll always be watching your fights, Francisco Vargas, man. Uh, a true guerrero, a true warrior, man. El bandito, man. Um, and also, uh, Josecito, uh Crowley got Crowley got that win. You know, says you know, uh, Josecito, man. Uh, he he bounce back. He, it's all right. You know what I mean. Uh, but and also, uh, let's get into it, man. The the main event. Uh. Ugas versus Spence, uh, man, I, I thought, you know, uh, man, uh, dude, I, man, 54 milagros, man, I kept yelling that all day, bro, uh, man, it just, it, it, <laughs> it hurts me watching that just because, like, bro, like, I was fucking, like, I was, I was, man, and, dude, I was rooting for the guy so much, like, man, I was hoping, I was really hoping, and, um, uh, and uh, you know, he, he did his thing in the beginning, man, it seemed like he was going to try to outbox him, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, something happened where, like, he, I, I thought he, like, kind of let back a little bit. I know that the eye was, 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 the eye was to blame for. I mean, the guy, I mean, look at that eye. Jesus, you know what I mean? No one wants to get hit like that, man. That eye was closed, and, and it was reported now, now that he, uh, the orbital is broken. So, holy crap, man. And, uh, like, crap, like, Spence carries a punch and, you know, into the, into the, into this Crawford fight. So, some, you know, this is different. And um, but the uh, Ugas, you know, I, I just think there were spots in the in the middle of the fight where he was like not th- throwing his hands, and there was that moment where he he was able to knock out Spence's mouthpiece out, and he took advantage of that, but didn't like just you know capitalize and rush him. You know what I mean? Like I uh, just kind of stood there, you know, uh, let kind of you know things happen, and I just thought you know I, I Spence, I mean not Spence, Ugas could have like you know. I don't know, just, you know, shout out to him, man. I, you know, I can't hate on the guy, man. He's, he's all about it, man. He did his thing. And and also, man, uh, like, like I say, Spence, Spence looked good, uh, man, after, uh, I believe after like maybe mid, midway through the fight, I, I, I thought, um, Spence was just coasting. Uh, he was doing his thing, right. Landing nice lefts on Ugas all the time. Uh, you know, now, now, now we're, uh, now we're into hold this, on, hold on. going into this. Let me, let me ask you a question. You thought that yeah. Spence coasted in that fight? Well, after like you talking about the dominating fit. or coasting? Yeah, yeah, because you know he had, he was rate. doing his thing like he okay yeah, okay yeah. I got you no yeah, I got he you. was doing I thought his thing you like you coasting know, like just sitting back and coasting no 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 like he was yeah he yeah was, yeah no like running. he was winning he was, like, he was you know what I mean like it, every round was un you can't debate every round like you know what I mean every round was going to him. Um, and uh, Ugas's face, you know, kept looking worse and worse. Uh, but yeah, uh, that. But yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. And um, uh, but yeah, like I, like I was saying, yeah. And like, but now, now, bro, now, now this Crawford fight, man. I thought Crawford was gonna win this easily after this. Like now, this is holy crap, man. This, this is. I think, in my opinion, this is a pick'em's fight, man. Hold like, this is a this is a good fight, and I hope that. Yeah. And, and I, I and I really hope they don't delay it. I hope you know. It it ha- yeah. I hope really this happens, man. I never, time. I'm, time. I'm not really too excited about like uh like a, a lot of fights, but this one, man, like this one, this one's good, bro. This one, this this one's gonna be good once it happens and it gets finalized and everything. And and also, uh, did you see um, 
I, I believe uh, I, I think it was out of Benavides defenses. Is Charlo? Uh, oh, okay. I guess oh. they because they got it on in the uh, ringside. But go oh, ahead. Oh no, no, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, actually, now that you bring that up, no, no, no. Actually, that's a perfect topic. I just wanted to, you know, uh, I, dude, I, both guys have fights lined up. To me, in my opinion, like, those, both guys have fights lined up. And, uh, you know, I just felt like it was it's two dogs barking at, you know what I mean? Like, uh, on the, each, yeah. you, they were on each other's side of the fence. And just, like, I just wanted to, like, yeah. they should have been just told to shut up and sit down and enjoy the fight. Like, I, that's just my opinion, you know what I mean? Like, Isak Cruz was fighting. You know what I mean? The fight was great. You know what I mean? That that had you know both guys had fights lined up. You know what I mean? Just sit down and you know I just just sit down. You know what I mean? Like just watch the fight. But that that was just my opinion about everything. You know what I mean? Because everybody got excited oh, about right. it. But both guys, both everybody's got yeah, fights yeah. lined up, man. You know what I mean? So it's like right, all of that was just kind of like what was it about? Like you know, I don't know. But yeah, we all we all know what it, you know it's what I mean? It's a rivalry, boxing, you know. You know what I mean? And uh, you know yeah. and, and also uh, why would you put those, those guys so close together? Like even, <laughs> no that was too that, close. Right? Hey, you want to have them? You know what I mean? Like side. put them on the opposite <laughs> side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. You, you know, yeah, okay, that is you know true. I mean? so, <laughs> That's probably why you know they what I mean? wanted like, to I, do it. They wanted it to happen, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But 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 you guys you forget that these guys I I know I know I'm talking my piece but both guys are really about it man like you know what I mean like they're gonna uh, I, like the, I think the you know I think it really is like bad blood in my opinion um so but yeah but the, I was just saying like you know they just sit down and enjoy the fight um but also I forget what I was talking about <laughs> but uh, the the Spence Crawford uh, the the Spence Crawford fight um is hopefully it happens this year that's what I'm saying and 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 uh. Um, yeah, but no, no, what I was saying is earlier, uh, Spence, I think it came out of Spence's Twitter. Uh, is that like, he, he has like a new t-shirt, right? Did you see that? I think it was, um, Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The door thing. Did you see that? Shark? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is that the shark thing? Is that, that's real, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. So man, I hope, you know what I mean? Like I saw that earlier, so I didn't, I, I forgot if, if I saw it through like a, a fan's uh or like a fan made okay so it is real okay i'm looking at it right now okay so yeah man i was gonna say that this this t-shirt you know <laughs> you know is is it, it, it speaks loudly man to the, you know to a casual fan to a box fan to mma fans so yeah. hopefully you know what i mean hopefully there's no delay man in my honest opinion hopefully there's no you know nothing you yeah, know no, it has to n- happen nothing next. in the way man yeah it has to happen and next. uh but yeah man but yeah hopefully it's next brother and uh you know uh but other than that, I don't have too much to say. Uh, I'm not like I said. I'm not too excited about the um, Tyson Fury fight. I, I, you know, I wish it was free here, or else I, you know, I, I would, you know, stay tuned. Um, but yeah, man. Uh, th- thank you, Chris, for having me on. Uh, Viva Ropado Radio and Viva Mexico, cabrones. There you go, man. As always, appreciative that you call in. Whether you're busy at work, just listening, or you, you join in, it's good to hear from you, man. And uh, no, I hear you. I mean. I talked about this originally when a lot of these fights were getting scheduled. And, you know, when you have four pay-per-views coming up in, what would that be, three in in four weeks, right? So it's the one we just had, this one this weekend, and then a gap weekend, and then you have uh, Canelo Bivol. So, you know, and then three weeks later, is that three weeks later or something like that, you have another one. So... You do got to pick and choose sometimes when it comes to this, you know, and I hear you. I mean, especially nowadays, even not illegal streaming it, right? I'm not telling anybody to illegal stream, right? 
But after the fight, if it's put online on Daily Motion or YouTube, it's up to that company, that site, to, to take it off. So it's not illegal to watch a, a fight that's already done and put on the Internet. Like I said, on all the best fights or Daily Motion or whatever, you know. And that's something that I used to do a lot on YouTube uh, on certain fights that I was like, well, I don't really, I'm not going to pay for this, you know, but I, I'm interested in the fight, but I don't think it's pay-per-view or maybe you're out of town or the schedule just doesn't line up or whatever. But yeah, I mean, when they have three pay-per-views in four weeks, you, you know, you make decisions, <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, come on, you know, especially this one, if it's so early, if it's done by, let's say, uh, 4 or 5 p.m. Central, um, it'd be pretty easy just to go to Daily Motion after or whatever, you know. I'm not telling you to illegal stream anything. That's not what I'm saying. But, uh, you know, it is uh, it is what it is. I mean, it goes. So I hear you. I, I hear you on that. Um, oh, yeah, just to follow up on, I, I mentioned this, was it, I don't even know, if it was two weeks ago when I, something like that. And I mentioned it a few months ago when there was this word of this this streaming app coming out. And uh, it is fully out now. It's uh, it's called ProBox, ProBoxTV.com. There's a, there's, a, um, there's an app for it. So you can be on Roku and just get the app like that too. You don't have to watch it on your computer or your phone if you don't want to. Uh, it's the former business partner of Mike Tyson and CEO of Iron Mike uh, Productions launch uh, Pro Box TV in partnership with Roy Jones Jr., Juan Manuel Marquez, Antonio Tarver, and Pauli Malinaji. Uh, Pro Box TV or Pro Box or the company it says launched today as the first and only global sports streaming and media company dedicated exclusively to the sport of professional boxing. Now, today as the first and only, what else did Box Nation have on there? Now, I didn't have Box Nation because, you know, I wasn't in the U.K., but, oh, you know what? It wasn't streaming. What am I saying? I was like, huh? Uh, Pro Box is funded by Gary Giannis. Uh, we mentioned his name. And that is it right there. All, like, basically, the fights they're going to have, it's 2 bucks a month, one ninety nine. So that price that I threw out there is correct, $199. Um, so it's something, you know, through the ProBox app or website, subscribers can stream evenly matched and high-action live boxing events, access at a wide range of premium supporting content. Um, so ProBox's live content menu will initially include a future stars or prospects, uh, a contender series, as well as one-off premiere or championship-level fights. Um, so there's more to this, this press release and whatnot. Um, and their first fight is May 20th. Um, Jean Pascal in Fan Long, was it Fan Long Meng? And Fan Long Meng is a prospect from China. Um, I do remember him fighting Frank Bugliana, or Bugliani, um, I remember seeing that fight, or at least highlights. And then also that Adam 
Denise or whatever the hell that guy's name is. I remember seeing that fight. The guy that uh, um, fought better be him not all long, not all that long ago. Um, that was a ten round fight. So he's a prospect, seventeen and zero, ten KOs, light heavyweight. So he's taking on Jean Pascal. And Zukon and Bennett Benitez is on the undercard right now. Uh, I don't know what else. This is in Planet City, Florida. So, yeah, I've been to the website, and, uh, you know, two bucks a month is pretty damn good. If there's, like, a bomb-ass fight on there that I can't find, I might pop on there and start doing it. I like to support boxing, obviously. Um, but <clears throat> we'll see. If they plan on just doing that prospect contender stuff, how much money is actually, you know, we'll, we'll get a, a feel of how much money that they actually have. Oh, and then someone, so just getting into the fight news and stuff like that, someone actually did tell me about that Gilly fight. I, I forgot to mention this. I think it was Gilly and, was it Brown? Yeah. It was a good fight. Um, and there, there wasn't, there's, uh, yeah, there was that knockout. I did forget to mention that one. I think that was on the MTK. Uh, I think it was ninth round knockout. Fight Ghost is his, his tweet. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh my God! Gilly wins with an incredible knockout in the round uh, round nine sensational battle. I love you, boxing. Uh, and someone else tweeted this. This fight is nuts. This fight is nuts. He had it fifty-seven, fifty-seven. Um, yeah, I, I just saw a chunk of it. I didn't see every round of it. But I did get to see that, and I did forget to mention that. Uh, I mentioned Andy Ruiz is fighting a MMA guy or a kickboxer or something like that on, on Triller. Luis Ortiz had some not-too-kind words for our guy Andy Ruiz Jr. He called him a coward. He knew how badly I wanted to fight him, but he decided to take an easy route. I repeat, he's a coward. A fight is coming that nobody's interested in that is useless in his career. Now, you know, Ruiz did make it sound like he was going to fight, you know, Ortiz. And that is a fight I want to check out, but or I really want to see. But, you know, I wouldn't go and say he's a coward. <laughs> but that's just not, I don't really say that stuff about box, boxers say to each other, you know, all the time. But, yeah, I'm not big on, like I said last week, I wasn't big on this fight when Usyk was going to fight this guy when he was moving up to heavyweight or whatever. And uh, the dude got popped for a PED, a banned substance. I wasn't big on him then, and I'm not going to all of a sudden be big on this fight now, you know. But it's on Triller, so go for it. Uh, Cuban Olympian, gold medalist, and three-time world champion Andy – three-time world champion gold medalist Andy Cruz – has stated that he intends to turn professional at 135. Um, you know, as we know, it's been like 50 or 60 years uh, since, you know, that turning pro for uh, the Cubans. So that's pretty good. This is that tweet um, that a couple of people have been mentioned uh, by Ryan Garcia. Isak Cruz, let's get it on. Everyone else has a fight. If you win tomorrow against Gamboa, I say we do it early July or even the end of June. Let's have it. I don't know if that fight will happen or not. I'm not really sure. Um, Who knows? You know, who 
really knows. Oh, a little bit of uh, – so the WBO has denied Jack Catterall's appeal um, over being dropped uh, number to number three in the rankings following his controversial loss to, to Josh Taylor. Instead, they have approached Jose Ramirez's appeal – or approved, not approached, sorry – Instead, they have approved uh, Jose Ramirez's appeal and moved him up to two, while Teofimo Lopez swaps to four. Uh, Liam Paro remains number one. So is it going to be Ramirez and Paro for the vacant title? You assume that Taylor, who actually has a a BA, he's got something coming up too, where we're going to find out, um, you know, how that goes. Golden Boy, by the way, won the Estrada Franco fight purse bid. Uh, they they offered uh, they won the bid at 120,000, uh, which was today, and it sounds like the two possible dates from Golden Boy say uh, June 11th in LA or June 16th in California or July 16th, sorry, um, in California or Nevada. So that should be a kind of my mind anyway um a little more fallout from probella um probellum had a deal with uk networks eurosport in discovery plus for a minimum of two more shows with the initial discussion for further shows to be broadcast that deal has now been terminated and this friday's show will not be shown and that was obviously i think last friday is, is what they were talking about and uh, some other fight news, kind of interesting here. Um, bam, Bam Rodriguez getting back in. So Jesse Rod, wait a second. Jesse Rodriguez, wait a second. Is that right? I can't. Man, my internet is just hilarious today, dude. Crazy. It's just falling all over the place. What the hell? Yeah, okay, that's right. Just double-checking. Um, gosh, it's just slow for some reason. Anyway, um, there's an interesting card that I want to tell you about. Um, where the hell did he go? This is from Salvador Rodriguez from ESPN. Bam Rodriguez, Jesse Rodriguez, and Sirkat Sarungvasai, right? That'd be the main event. And I think it's targeted for June 25th. So Rodriguez, who came, you know, in that big came in that late notice against Quadros. Um, so Rodriguez and Rungbasai, Ray Martinez and McWilliams Arroyo too, and then MJ Akmaldilov against Ronnie Rios. Sounds like Jessica McCatskill will be on the card as well. So that's a pretty interesting card. I kind of definitely interested in that one. Um, yeah, I'm seeing, uh, this is actually Johnny Wilds talking about boxing here, betting, um, sport book sports got it right with Spence, uh, minus 112 and Crawford minus 112. He said he saw a line posted that had Spence minus 135 and felt it was wrong. He favored Bud, but, uh, think he'll go off as a small favorite once it actually, you know, comes to fruition. If, in fact, <laughs> it comes to fruition, obviously. Um, 
oh, there was a false report yesterday <laughs> about uh, someone actually ran with it too about the Vada and Tyson Fury and all that. I don't even think that account is actually uh, active. But I did get some messages about the Vada thing and Idik and uh, obviously Conte and Montero got into this one as well. And, um, you know, just to, just to follow up, there's two different things. I mean, ultimately, Keith Eidick had a tweet saying for Victor Conte and anyone else interested in proof of the full VADA testing for Spence Ugas, I've attached a copy of the letter dated back in February, VADA letter dating back um, in last June, proof of full VADA testing for Pacquiao and Spence because Conte was trying to drum up a bunch of stuff, as was Montero. And these are some of his tweets, okay? This is not me talking. These are some of the things he said, uh, you know, Twitter-wise. He said, what's been happening, and this is uh, Rick Laser got in there too, of course. Um, what's been happening was, and I think I already said this tweet, but I'm following up because I got a, some messages about it that's saying I – reported it wrong or whatever, but what's been happening, this is Montero, uh, what's been happening with some recent PBC fights is they employ VADA officials to do regular commission testing, not the full VADA panel, and call it VADA testing. The contract puts a hush clause on everyone involved, so no details are released to the media. But now, this is also what he tweeted, okay? He under He's basically quote-tweeting um, Boo Boo and Parker getting announced that they're in Vada. And he says, take note of this. When fighters sign up for legitimate, complete Vada testing program panel, Vada will post it on their social media and other sites. Otherwise, you should assume that it's not the full program, regardless of what Vada tells you, which is really kind of like, so regardless what Vada says, this is actually legit Vada. You see what I'm saying? So he said this stuff, right? But then he obviously didn't follow it up like a reporter or media should. If you're going to go out there and say, here's what's been happening, you should go all the way and get the information like Idick did, right? Conte and Montero and others, of course. But not a whole long time after that, Fada tweeted this. Okay, and, I, and I said this last week, maybe you missed it, but they saw, they, this is their tweet, VADA testing protocol when testing, okay, so it says, when requested by the camps or promoters or fighters, the fighter enrollment posted on social media. As always, test results go to both fighters, their representatives, the commissions, the promoters, the sanctioning bodies, BoxRec and ABC. Okay, so he's saying if there's a request from the promoters or the camps like the fighters to post that they're enrolled on social media, we do it. So that's different than saying anytime Vada tweets it, you know, it's legit. No, that's not true. It's only when Vada's requested. So it's basically just. I'm not saying it's for show, but it's it's no more legit than anything else. 
It, it is no more legit. And this came April 6th. And then, so he had already tweeted Montero. Then he asked Keith Eidick a question. And I, I think I said this too. He said, question for you, Keith. To your knowledge, because it says to you knowledge, I think he meant to your knowledge, is it a full VADA panel programming standard state commission tested administrated by VADA officials or CBP? Normally, when it's a full VADA program, they share the news on their social media or post it on their site. Or their site. And he says most stringent level of VADA and all that. But that's the thing. He jumped out there. Then he had a question. But you see how misleading it was, and you know he'd never do this for not many other <laughs> uh, outlets, let's put it that way. He's always been fairly uh, over-the-top uh, PBC you know, uh, hater. Anyway, um, and this is actually from Yahoo, I, I, just to follow up. Um, Aram said the 94,000, the European record, um, will be a gate over 26 million. So just to follow up what I said there, um, the comedy of people listening to Conte about Spence versus Zugas having no testing when on his own website, he paid Kim to promote the very same system. He says Vada isn't doing Nigerian scammers aim their sites higher for who they want to believe them. That's a pretty funny tweet. We'll just end with a little bit. Dan- Daniel can end. Widely described as the most powerful man in boxing in recent times. Prediction, many in boxing will claim that he was a marginal figure. That's kind of funny how that works. Um, oh, Bob Yalen, by the way, Yalen resigned from MTK. Uh, Yalen last year told BBC that Kinahan was still associated with MTK, adding that he was in regular contact with Kenahan as business required. Last week, Galen was quoted in the MTK statement, which said Kinahan has not been involved since 2017. So we know that's been kind of all over the place. Um, oh, and then just to follow up a little bit more, um, ESPN Plus also will not stream MTK cards any longer. So... We'll see where this goes, uh, you know, in general. Um, I don't know. Um, Well, and here's the quote of Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn on Connor Ben, he said, I promise you, if Connor gets through Saturday night, you're going to see him in a mega fight this summer. Mega fight. We'll see. Nothing better than a big MMA and boxing fan telling me how boxing is completely broken. It can never make a big fight in the middle of a stretch of nothing but big fights. Yeah, no kidding. All right, we're going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Let's hope something on that undercard, you know, pops off. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, as you fight, let's say you fight for five years, a straight survival, the bullshit, the whole bag, and when you come to the world champion, you're like, you know what, I made it.